This podcast is a part of the Podmania Podcasting Network. Check out podmania.co.uk to check out more of our great podcasts, features, reviews, match ratings and previews spanning the crazy and diverse world of professional wrestling. The Stardom Cast, your weekly audio source of all things world-wondering stardom right here on the Pod Mania Podcasting Network. I'm your host, Rob Goodwin, and I am joined by the man himself, Matt Turner. Matt, how are you, my friend? I'm excellent. Like my grandfather always told me, if you wake up on this side of the earth and your heart's beating and there's air in your lungs, it's a good day. Everything is just a bonus. And talking to you about stardom, that's a big bonus for me, my friend. You might be the most pleasantly positive person I've ever met. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know whether it's just because I'm British and cynicism <laughs> runs through my veins, but it's genuinely a cathartic moment speaking to you because I genuinely feel better having spoken to you with your positivity, Matt. Well, I appreciate that. But like, you know, I talk to my sister about this almost on like a monthly basis and it's like, how you stay positive? You just kind of got to focus on all the good things you have in your life. Like, you know, I got a decent job. I'm wrestling on the weekends. I have a wonderful wife. I have a wonderful daughter. Um, I have a giant uh, room full of comic books, a giant room full of wrestling DVDs. Like, you know, I got my health. So it's just you, you, you take that and you focus on everything. Is You know, is there bad stuff out there? Sure, absolutely. But there's a lot of good stuff out there. And again, to quote my grandfather, who's 90 years old and you talk to him and he'd swear he's 30 just by how sharp his mind is. He would always tell me, he said, you know, can life be better? Sure it can, but life can also be a lot worse. So kind of just, you know, don't t- take things for granted and enjoy all the little gifts that you get in life. So, uh, you know, and it's, it's you, this is nice too. Like, you know, you have an American and a British guy talking about women's Japanese wrestling. So how, you know, it's a very kind of diverse all around <laughs> podcast we have going on here, you know? I honestly didn't think that this podcast would be starting with life advice, but that's <laughs> apparently what you get on this podcast. <laughs> um, but If it helps everybody out, why not, right? What the hell? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so we're going to be talking about uh, the back-to-back to back shows that stardom ran at the start of the new year's uh, stars tour uh, including two back-to-back sold-out corican shows which were really really good um I and mean, obviously we're going to be getting into that and all the all the detail that goes along with it as we head towards nagoya supreme fight at the end of the month uh but first matt obviously we had our end of year award episode uh with chris guest podcast hosting um i just wanted to know what sort of feedback did you get uh in regard to that episode Seemed that everybody seemed to really enjoy it. Um, not only that, but a lot of ours, shockers, and we've only been podcast partners for about two months. We agreed on a lot of things. And Chris, on a lot of his, was completely different, which mm. is good. 
you know, it's always good to kind of have that diversity where it's just like not like, for example, like I'm a huge fan of Momo. I believe he had Momo as his wrestler of the year, but we didn't have her in our top three, no. um, which is great, which is, you know, that which is great. So, you know, it's nice that and again, he gave Chris gave as he always done on this podcast. He gave, you know, reasons why reasons why he likes stuff, reason why he didn't like stuff, reasons why he ranked certain things over there. He just didn't say, well, I like this better and that's it. Move on. You know, he gave context to it. So, yeah, we I got a lot of really, really good feedback. And I've been getting almost daily feedback between my friends, uh, my fans that I've known for a while, and just, you know, random people that I've never met before that I'm now, uh, co- you know, connecting with with this podcast where they're asking me, you know, questions like what matches should I watch or where should I start or where should I go or, um, you know, and I'm kind of even figuring that out myself. Um, you know, so it's it's really it's really good. It's really nice to talk about the wrestling fans about things that are positive because again, there is so much negativity in this world, especially when it comes to uh, to wrestling. There's just a lot of people that watch wrestling and then just do nothing and but bag on it, which I don't understand. You know, mm. life's negative enough. Why are you gonna watch something that's just gonna piss you off? Just move on to something else. But again, um, I've gotten a lot of really good feedback on not only uh, our last episode but pretty much everything that we've done. Um, how about you? Yeah, it's always it's always really wholesome to, you know, open our Discord server or, you know, the Patreon or Twitter and, and see people enjoying the episode and seeing more and more people interacting with us. And you're absolutely right. We we'd love for this to be somewhere where, you know, people who are new to the promotion like I was in, you know, at the start of twenty twenty, early uh, late twenty nineteen, like you were, you know, six, seven, eight months ago. Those who were new to the promotion or newer to the promotion, you know, this is a place where hopefully you can sort of familiarize yourself with wrestlers storylines some of the history um so yeah it's always really really nice to have people contacting the facebook page and twitter and asking our opinions on stuff it's always really nice and you know i'm not saying that me and matt know absolutely everything in fact we know very little in comparison to some very knowledgeable people um but yeah it's always really nice and like i say lots of positive um lots of positive responses in uh in terms of our end of year episode. And I just want to take a little bit of time just to plug our Patreon again. Um, We've got our second episode of the month dropping this Wednesday at 6 p.m. British Standard Time. We recorded it last week. It was lots of fun. Uh, Tam Nakanova, Sarita Hoshiki from Shining Destiny 2019. Me and Matt go into granular detail of the match, the build-up, and everything else surrounding it, and just generally have a very, very good time. So if you want to check that out, then go to our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash the stardom cast, and you can go and subscribe to our white belt tier or our red belt tier um and you can hear us wax lyrical about one of the best matches in stardom's history and while we're on the subject i'm going to shout out our fantastic patrons uh joseph usher rob jones niagara driver john owen valkage Braca, tom ed bc brandon neal steve clark emerson stone thank all thank you all of you for spending even a dollar on us it's uh very very humbling so uh thank you very much um matt have you got anything you want to add before we dive headlong into this new year's stars tour no just that i i saw that a lot of people including myself and yourself and actually right before um we went on the air here uh, i had a couple people tweet and uh put messages out that they received their living the dream stardom 10th anniversary <laughs> in review book which i'll be giving a uh, brief review towards the end of this podcast which i'm so excited to talk about which uh if you do not know, the uh, man himself, Mr. Rob Goodwin, the uh, 
the fantastic uh, other voice on this episode uh, wrote this in great detail. So I'm super excited to talk about uh, this book at the end of the show. That'll be maybe that'll be the main event. Of the show. <laughs> <laughs> all, all I can say in in answer to that is thank God you are the positive person you are, and I'm going to spend the entire of this episode rubbing your ego so that you give a good review. <laughs> <laughs> but no thank you i really do appreciate it and i know um my proof copy came uh yesterday and it's it's turned out very well I'm, I'm extremely proud of it so hopefully if you've managed to order it if you've looked at it if you've read it on amazon kindle then i i really do appreciate it thank you very much um but yeah in terms of this weekend i think i said that it was back-to-back sold out shows it wasn't i don't know why i said that the second show was sold out the first one i think drew about 550 people for 540 and change um but we started this tour on the 8th of January uh, in Corrigan Hall, like I say, in front of 500, it was 547 people. And before we kicked off with anything at all, uh, we had a brand new Stardom signee announce themselves to the fans. Uh, Momo Kojo, or Kogo, I think it's Kogo, uh, formerly of Act Res Girls. She enters the ring, says that she wants to win a belt in the pinnacle of rings, she calls it. And Bless her, she is shaking and as she holds the mic. She's clearly extremely nervous, which to me makes her even more endearing. Um, you know, it must be quite nerve-wracking because I don't think she's very old. I don't think she's got a, a huge amount of experience, but I could be wrong, obviously. Those that know actress girls more than I will know. Um, but Yunagi, who is the self-professed assessor of stardom, comes to the ring to a chorus of giggles from the crowd who seem to uh, know what's coming. And she offers basically what is a trial match early in this year, which um, Momo accepts very, very enthusiastically. But yeah, it was a nice little wholesome segment. Yet another stardom signee, Matt. We're, we're getting a very, very, very packed roster, aren't we? Yeah, you know, I'm just starting to learn all these names and now they're throwing them more at me. But this one's easy to <laughs> remember. It's, a, it's another Momo. Uh, but yeah, you could tell. And I kind of just have little notes here written. And that uh, you could, yeah, obviously she was shaking. I think she's only been wrestling two, two and a half years. I did a little bit of research. Um, and you can tell just by how nervous she was, that means that you're passionate. And obviously she's passionate about wrestling. She's passionate about the project. She's obviously passionate about stardom. So I thought it was nice she cuts this promo. And then here comes Unagi to come in and muck it all <laughs> up. So I thought that was kind of a good, I kind of like, that was a good time. I'm like, of course. You know, at first I was like, really? You can't give this girl like 90 seconds. But I'm like, of course, it's pro wrestling. You have to set something up. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be exciting to see what happens. And again, you can just tell, uh, you can just tell she's got a lot of passion. Uh, for professional wrestling so yeah it's 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 going to be uh interesting to see what see what happens so um not only that but uh kind of maybe to kind of go off the course for just a couple seconds but i'm not sure if you saw the youtube video where saya kamatani come went to rossi ogawa's office uh, to demand a match with kota Bushi, and there's another mystery person that that is going to be joining the stardom roster so it's like geez we're getting a lot of people here on this roster we're only three weeks into this new year it's funny you should mention that, actually, because um, Alex Tremaine on our Discord su- server has asked a question that I was going to leave till the end, but since you've transitioned so wonderfully into it, Matt. Uh, he's put, Sorry. No, it's all right. He's, he's asked another question as well, which I'm not going to give the time of day because it's about Hazuki's theme, and I think it's a banger. Um, but he says, more seriously, if the person Saya saw wasn't Kyrie Hojo, then who are the most likely candidates, in your opinion? Now, I was unaware of this video, and when I saw... 
Alex's question, I went back through the three shows like, what have I missed? But yeah, it's a, it's a one minute English subtitled YouTube video on their YouTube page. Um, and the way Saya reacts, it's someone that is obviously, yeah, it's someone we know. Um, and our Discord is ranged from uh, Kyrie, who I think quite a few people think it is. Um, a sort of a left field one, obviously Tony Storm asked for her release recently, so it could be her, but obviously she's got a 90 day non-compete. So it's la- it's not likely to be that when you count in the 14 days quarantine, as Velkage says, uh, we've had Sasha Banks. It's definitely not Sasha Banks. Um, Session Moth, Martina, it could potentially be Session Moth. Would Sire react like that to Session Moth? No disrespect to Session Moth, obviously, but if it is Kyrie, then this is huge um and obviously we've got the nagoya supreme fight at the end of this year at the end of this month could that be the time we find out who it is or will they hold off till world climax in march i I don't know what's your theory uh, matt I, i've got a feeling i know who you think it is but i'm gonna ask anyway it's lady c no uh, <laughs> she's already in the promotion we're gonna re-debut her again uh yeah my my one and two is and again i don't know too much of uh josie wrestling outside of stardom uh obviously i know Kari, Kari and tony storm for not only their what they've done you know in stardom but what they've done over here in america and wwe but my number one pick it's again it's got to be somebody big because Sai was literally, you know, a loss for words. So it's got to be number one. My number one pick is Kari. Number two is Tony uh, Storm. And just be, and they, again, they just debuted a handful of wrestlers. So I think maybe they kind of slow burn this a little. And then maybe this is something that they pull off in February, March. But that's my one and two. Outside of that, I really don't know who else it could be. Uh, how about you? Um, I, I, I think it's Kairi. I'll be honest. Um, <sighs> I think it's going to be in Nagoya that we're going to see it. Um, and I've actually just scrolled down in our Discord, and actually there's a second part to the video. Um, and basically, Ogawa said, don't tell anyone. Um, we hope to see you again in Nagoya, blah, blah, blah. So the chances are we're going to find out in Nagoya, or at least we're going to have a little bit more teased, because not everyone is going to have seen the YouTube video. Um, but... That shows, tw- that shows the that shows the twenty ninth, Rob. Do I have that my dates right? Um, yes, it is. The, yeah, the it end is. of this month. That's the that's the anniversary show. Yes. Okay. okay. Um, the way it takes a lot for Saya Kamatani to be lost for words. To be perfectly honest, so I'd be surprised if it's not Kyrie, and the pop that she will get if it is would be insane. Would be utterly insane. But again. We're not sure. We don't know. We are speculating. The only thing that I can say, and this is, again, me potentially clutching at straws, the person in the video seemed to be quite small. And Tony is, she's not tall, but she's certainly not small either. So I don't think build or height, it looked like Tony. Um, I don't really think it looked like Session Moth either, but we'll see. We'll be really, really disappointed if it's another rookie now. I feel really bad that we've built this up. <laughs> it's just, it's another rookie with like six months' experience. But... Yeah, we, we, we have our white, we have our white belt champion that we crowned on pretty much our, you know, our second biggest show, you know, attendance-wise of the year. We put her over in the Tokyo Dome twice with the Phoenix Splash. She's calling out 
Kota Ibushi, a man who's won, who's been in the finals of the G1 four years in a row, <laughs> and at last year's Tokyo Dome show, walked out with the two belts. So it's like, yeah, if it's like somebody we don't know, it's just like, oh, okay, whatever. We're gonna we're gonna watch regardless, and I'm sure it's gonna be good because Stardom's awesome. But like, yeah, I think I don't know. I'm putting all my eggs in the Kari basket, and sometimes maybe I shouldn't do it because if it's anybody but her, not let's Io Shirai all of a sudden's like the heck with it. I'm coming back. <laughs> yeah. But if it's outside of like them two, then it's just like, uh, you know, I'll be disappointed. But regardless, it's it's just another, you know, kind of like comic book uh, last page of reading a really good comic book ending where it's like, oh, man, I can't wait for the next, you know, issue to come out. So I'm real excited to see what they do with it from from here. Yeah. So sorry I had to get off track. I, I, I figured I, I had to you know make reference to that before i forgot no and again thank you alex because somehow i'd completely blanked this i'd sort of i don't know whether i was just absorbed in my own little world but i completely uh completely bland this so thank you alex it's added a certain dimension to uh to this podcast because now we fully expect Kyrie to come back and actually i'm looking at the thumbnail of the video it looks like underneath the white sort of towel that they're wearing um it looks like they've got dark hair so which does rule Tony Storm out because she, oh no, she's got black underneath her blonde hair, hasn't she? So it could still, uh, I, I'm you sorry. Can, you, can always dye your, you can always dye your hair. These people <laughs> start, depending on what faction they're in, they dye the tips of their hair all the time. So That is true. I, I, yeah. So I guess maybe zoom in to see if under the chair, if you see like a pirate hat or something like that, you know, <laughs> maybe that. Is she holding a big helm? <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> Um, jumping back to uh, the 8th of January then we opened with a three way match Kogama defeating Lady C and Himika with the side roll up in 5 minutes and 46 seconds what I will say is about this match I am now even more behind Lady C than I was before after her interview where she said as a teacher she used to go home every night and cry and I fully sympathise with her so now she is my favourite wrestler in the entire promotion Um, but aside from that um, Himika completely breaking character and laughing at Kogama dancing over to her doing the bear pose is my favorite bit of this match, Matt. You know what? That bit was good, but my favorite bit of this match is when the three of them played who's the tallest. You know, you have Himika <laughs> and Lady C- and, and Kogama wins. Like, if that's the game, it's like we're going to play it on points and who's the tallest. And it's like Kogama winds up winning of who's the tallest, but this was, you know, a fun five minute three way. Uh, again, I talk about all 10 three ways are tough to do especially when you're under six minutes, but everybody kind of got everything in that they needed to get in. And most important, this match was over with the crowd. And I think just the, uh, just the kind of the antics that they were doing of like, you know, they baited the crowd in, they knew Mm. they didn't have much time. Let's maximize our minutes. Let's get the crowd. You know, so this is the first match, the first match of the, of the tour. So let's get the crowd into it. And they did it with their funny little, you know, who's the, who's the tallest thing. And then they had, you know, two or three minutes where they kind of just, Sprinted towards the end, and uh, Kagma gets the uh, the win with the roll up. So, uh, kind of building uh, more momentum towards the uh, her big t- tag title match the next night. As well, like Himika looks, she looks in tremendous shape at the moment, and the pace she builds over short distances, it's frightening. Like she hits Kagma with this lariat, and just the pace of the woman is, it is quite unnerving, isn't it? I think we're going to be, I mean, I know you're big on Himika and I've, you know, I've not that I've disliked her, but you've been uh, bigger, you know, more, more about her uh, than I have, but just watching her progression, I think by this time next year or the end of, uh, you know, we do our end of the year awards for 22. I think she's going to be, you know, m- maybe on the top three or four of wrestler of the year. I really think are even most improved. 
Uh, not that she hasn't improved already, but I think she's going to jump up huge, jump up. And I wouldn't be shocked if she makes a huge run, you know, in the Cinderella tournament coming up in the spring. I mean, to be perfectly honest, a lot of this does depend on where this storyline's going with DDM, um, as to how much of a spotlight they do put on Emika. But obviously, we're going to be talking quite a lot about the DDM civil war. He says in inverted commas. Um, so I'll be intrigued to see where Himika falls on which side of the fence she falls. But yeah, this this was this was fun. Um, we'll move on to match two, six woman tag team match. The stars team of Mayu Iwatani, Hazuki, and Hanan defeated the Uida Tai team of Fukukan Death, Saki Kashima, and Rina with the vertical drop brainbuster in eight minutes and fifty nine seconds. Now, Matt, you were a lot um a lot higher on this match than I was. I think the reason why, obviously, the Stars team is they can wrestle a goat. Did I get it right this week? They you, can wrestle a no, goat. No, still a sheep. It's still <laughs> a sheep, Matt. It's still a sheep. I should know that. I should know that because my <laughs> when my sister when my sister who was young she collect stuffed animal sheep. So that's how I will remember that. But anywho, all three of the, the Stars they can wrestle a sheep and it'd be great. But on the other side, like Rena looked really good. Not only in this match, but this whole tour. Mm. Like Rena and Hannah are they really stood out uh, in this match. And there's a lot of fast-paced action. And again, just like in the first match, there was nothing wasted. They maximized their minutes. They didn't get a whole bunch of time. Everybody looked good here. Uh, and then I thought the finish was fantastic. Anytime you do the three-dumb dropkick, I'm always going to pop. And then it leads into the uh, Hazuki Brain Buster. And as always, as I always put in these multiple uh, women matches that feature Mayu Itani, the negative is not enough Mayu Itani in it. But yeah, I, as soon as the match was over, I grabbed my phone and I texted you and I was like, I don't know if you watched this match. I think you just finished it the same time I did or it's, which is crazy. But, uh, I was really, you know, I think I even told you, I said, this is early part of uh hidden gem for 2022. I thought this was again, for the time allowed for how much the crowd was into it and for how good the two, you know, younger people of the team, Rena and Hannah looked and they really stood out. And they really, the way this match was built, it was built for the for the two of them to stand out. And then obviously, you know, they do the freedom dropkick and Hazuki hits her patented brain buster, you know, for the win. But this is just another example of stardom giving a little bit of push to their under uh, talent to kind of make them shine and make them look good when they're in the ring with, you know, Amaya Itani. But yeah, I absolutely love this match. Now, by no means with this like a you know a four, four and a half star match, but just for something that you're kind of just like you know it's a match on the tour. It really, to me, it really stood out as as people that left the show would have been like you know this that might have been the the show stealer. I mean, there was minimal Fuki and death as well, which is always a plus in my eyes. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I think Re- you spoke about Rena and Hannon, and obviously they're sisters, so their chemistry. You know, you've spoken about it before on this podcast where you hit your friend harder. You know, there's an understanding that, you know, you twat each other and then you can go for a beer afterwards. And I think that's sort of what Hannon and Rena have as well. You know, if they hit each other slightly harder, it's because they're related and sisters. But I think Rena benefited massively because there was an extended sequence she had with Hazuki in this match. And obviously they have a singles match later on um, on the 10th at KFC Hall. But I thought here... The main focus was on Rena, and and rightly so, because these undercard tags can be used as a chance to benefit the likes of Hannon and Rena. And I think having her with Hazuki benefited her hugely. And I, the only thing that I said was I was surprised they didn't give Hannon the pinfall uh, with her, you know, keeping her strong with the future belt. But you know, as has Hazuki and Kagama have both got the tag title match the next night. It does make sense as to why they both get the pinfall. But overall, it's a good match. I think, obviously, you know, you've outlined why you really enjoyed it. And, you know, the more you've said it, the more that maybe I need to go back and watch it. But, yeah, overall, another good match. And 
that sort of accented by this match. Uh, match three, tag team match. The DDM team of Julia and Tekla defeated Oida Tai team of Starlight Kid and Ruwaka with Bianca in nine minutes and 10 seconds. Matt, I really, really enjoyed this match. I like this one even a little bit better than the last one. Yeah, this was really good. And for someone who spent a good majority of his last four or five years on the American Indies, as a tag wrestler, I really pay closer attention to tag matches. And, you know, I know we have Tag League. It's not probably coming up for, you know, towards the end of the year. But I'm always looking at these random, not random teams, but like these newer teams. And I wouldn't be shocked if Julia and Tekla or a team, obviously depending on where they go with the DDM storyline, uh, in the Goddess of star- Stardom Tag League, because they worked really, really well together. And you can tell they were former partners and former friends in a, in a previous uh, promotion. But they worked uh, excellent together. Like, it was, like, seamless. It was, like, almost as good as uh, Julian Sherry work, who were going into the show or the, were the tag champs. Um, I really love the beginning of Julian Starlight Kid. I mean, just the way that they paced everything, the way they were in the ring, the way that they slowed things down when they, knew, when they needed to to get the pop from the crowd, and the way they just beat the crap out of each other. And uh, I even put, give me more Julia versus Starlight Kid, please. And going through your book la- late last night, there's a uh, there's a um, Julia Starlight Kid match that you know. Hey, throw a little cheap plug out there for, for your book again. <laughs> there, there's a Julia Starlight Kid match that uh, later on today that I'm going to go back and uh, I actually I haven't seen from last year that I'm like I'm definitely need to watch this match because I just got a little bit you know of an appetizer here. But according to the the book that's uh, very well written, that there's a whole match that I need to go see. So I'll be doing that as well. And yeah, and they're again they're building up the the newer stars. Tekla looked great here. Um, yeah, this was uh, this was an absolute banger. And, I th- and Ruaka, not only this match, maybe it's just me, but all the matches she had on this tour, she seems like she's just not improving as much as everybody else on the roster. I mean, is that just me or is that because I kind of even wrote like a side note that uh, you know everybody you know is is improving that's not at the top tier of the card. They proved well on this tour. It seems like that she just. I don't know, her momentum, maybe since she lost the belt, has been stopped. So she's not, I don't know, is that just me or? It's an interesting question. The The thing is with Ruaka is that they've given her this gimmick of sort of a bruiser type, sort of Torah-lite, diet Torah, if you will. And, you know, it, it doesn't offer her a great deal of scope for huge improvement basically she does the power moves which she does very well um and that's it but also she is only 17 and in a weather time where the focus is very very much on starlight momo at the moment ruaka is going to be your pinfall eater so unfortunately seemingly just because the focus isn't on her she's been told you know what just go out do your thing and then you're going to eat a pin which you know she did here she did um on the 10th so, unfortunately, obviously, with it's, Rita being at school it's, more, it's, so she can't be the consistent pin eater. I think it's just a fact that the focus simply isn't on Ruwaka at the moment. I see your point, but I'm talking about, like, the little things that she does in the ring. Like, her selling, to me, just doesn't seem organic. Her, like, where she's at in the ring, her ring positioning, you know, mm. for, for how it, – it, it's not as kind of where it needs to be. Um, like, the way she feeds, it just seems like a little bit off. It's like those little things. It's like, okay, if you have – 
30 seconds. Okay, you know, there's 10 minutes in this match. There's eight other people in this match. You only have 45 seconds. You're not doing one offensive move. You're eating this, this, and this. But you need to put in your head, okay, I have 30, 40 seconds. I need to make so-and-so look good. My feed's got to be good. My selling's got to be good. I need to maximize every second I have. And it just, like, just seems like, I don't know, that she's just not there on the little things. And, again, that's something that obviously can be improved with considering the fact that she is in there with the best women's wrestler in the world on a, you know, on a nightly basis. I mean, it could be that. It could be that. I mean, obviously, I'm nowhere near as well-versed in the ring as you, so I, I don't really pick up these things, which is a great perspective that you have on it. I just I, I don't really see her as a focus at the moment, so unfortunately, I don't really focus on her because nine times out of ten, she's teaming with Starlight Kid, who draws the eye for multiple reasons, or she's buried in a multi-woman, you know, with the likes of Momo, Starlight, who I, I the eye is drawn to because they're being pushed more. So... Maybe, maybe. I'm going to keep a closer eye on that in future, um, especially before the next podcast, and I'll uh, I'll let you know my opinion. But in terms of this match, I, I was huge on this. They were given, you know, a shade over nine minutes, and they didn't stop. All four women went, you know, for lack of a better phrase, balls to the wall with this. You mentioned it before, Starlight and Julia have tremendous chemistry, and they obviously have history in this very building. This is where Julia went full heel, started cutting off uh, Starlight's mask with a pair of scissors. Um, Tekla and Starlight Kid is a singles match I'd love to see. Starlight is so quick in the ring, and Tekla kept up with her every step of the way, and it just looked beautiful. You know, could we see a future high-speed championship defense against Tekla? Who knows? Um, speaking of Tekla, she, she's got this contagious energy, and just she seems to be loving being on a bigger stage, and she certainly, she's, she's the focal point of any team that she's in. The one thing that I'm not necessarily hesitant on, but something that I'll be interested to see, she hasn't been in a singles match of any... Um, real substance. Obviously, she had the match with uh, Saki the next night. but And obviously, we know where she's going when it comes to Nagoya. But I'm going to be intrigued where her selling and, you know, this energy, how she does in a match with stakes. Because in these tag matches, in these tag scenarios, she seems to be very hyper- and that sort of bleeds into her selling as well. And I'll just be intrigued where that leads to in the SWA match. Is that just me or are you? do you sort of see where I'm coming from with that? No, 100%. Like she does have this really good energy energy, and the crowd feeds off it. She feeds off the crowd, which again, and I talk about this at nausea and I will. That's the most important thing is you have to engage with the crowd because ultimately you want to get them back you know, every show or you want to make sure they're having a good time and they're having a good time with anything that you did. And we talked about it with Koguma, you know, the, the three good in the first match, three girls didn't even touch and the crowd was having a good time. And she makes sure the crowd's having a good time. Cause they, you know, they, she has this instant connection with the crowd and that's something that you can't teach, you know, in a wrestling school or anything like that. So yeah, I, I see your point of view. And again, there was, we're waiting to see, a singles match, you know, but between the two, both two new members of DDM, obviously, you know, we'll get it on the next night, but you're kind of just wondering how she's going to do when she doesn't have, you know, Julia there, who's already over, who's one of the mm. most over, you know, people. So she's kind of like, you know, let's float her out there by herself. Like, you know, say something goes wrong. She has Julia or whoever to kind of, you know, reel her in or kind of, you know, pick up the pieces if you know, there's, there's a beat missing. 
So, uh, and again, we will talk about that in a few minutes. But no, I absolutely, absolutely see your point of view. But uh, so far, it's been you know really good with her. It, she's got that energy. She's got that connection. She speaks English on the promos, which is good for people like me and you. We don't have to wait, you know, <laughs> to be reading the screen back and forth. We can kind of get the instant, you know, feel of her promo, you know, right off the bat. So, I think something as well. She's got such such a relationship with Julie, obviously, for their time in Ice Ribbon and they seem to be having the absolute time of their lives together. And it's something you can't kayfabe. They are friends outside the ring and you can see that they just enjoy being in other, each other's company. And it, it, it's a note that I made. I'm intrigued to see how the energy between Tekla and Julia, how that's mirrored in the energy between Julia and Suri, who of course we know up until spoilers, the, the next night would be the tag champions together and how that energy would be. And obviously, you know, with all the talk of the DDM civil war and, you know, how the unit is going to break apart, which everyone seems to be believing that it will. Um, I'm intrigued. I'm sort of looking for little points. And is that going to be the point that sort of breaks DDM? You know, Tekla stealing Julia away from Suri. Maybe it's me just um, sort of looking into it too much. But speaking of Ice Ribbon, something that I did notice off uh, Dragon Moon on Twitter was um, at one point, um, Awida Tai had, um, I think it was Tekla, and they were having a between the ropes. And they shouted, be happy with pro wrestling. And it was to sort of provoke their former promotion, Ice Ribbon, because it's their uh, their slogan, which I thought was quite funny. But this, I gave it three and three quarter stars. I really, really did enjoy this match. And it's certainly one from this tour that I would actively encourage you to go and check out. Um, what I'm going to talk about next is obviously the semi-main. For, no, it's not the semi-main. What am I talking about? It's match four. Um, the six-woman tag team match between the DDM team of Siori, Micah, and Mirai, defeating the Cosmic Angel teams of Mina, Mai, and Waka Sukiyama with the Miramare shock in 12 minutes and 11 seconds. Mirai looks sensational in this match. I am a huge fan of Mirai at the moment, Matt. Yeah, yeah, she's there, and obviously we know where they're building, we know where it's going, and uh, they're really, they're, as much as you know, we like Tekla, and they're kind of building her up fast, they're really shooting Mariah up. And Mariah reminds me a lot of Dynamite Kid, between the way she throws her suplexes and the left-handed clothesline. You don't see many wrestlers that throw a left-handed clothesline or do it in the way that she does it. Um, so, yeah, they're doing a really good job building up. You can see her intensity. You can see her intensity, which is, you know, there's no holes. You know, you don't see any of the strings that, you know, and any of the magic trick. There's no daylight in any anything that she does. I mean, she looks like a legit badass here. And again, this is only just a few matches in. And they're doing a really good job keeping the roster fresh. They have all these stars in DDM. You have Siri, who's the, you know, who holds, uh, you know, going into the show, so many belts. You have Julia, you know, who's their leader. You have my Himipoy. All three of them are fantastic. But we're taking the time to spotlight the two new people that, again, admittedly, going into these shows, I know very little about. And I'm very intrigued to see where they're going to go with it as they're doing a very, very good job of keeping the roster fresh. Um, and, you know, maybe something it is, you know, to go back what you're talking about before with Julian Tekla. You know, is this something where, you know, it breaks up the DDM and then we can see, and I would love to see a tag match with Julian Tekla versus, you know, Sherry and Natsapoy. You know, you're keeping the roster fresh. You're keeping matchups fresh, uh, which is what stardom just seems to be just click fire on all cylinders for, you know, it's not the, the constant rehash of matches. Although I would never complain about seeing another Julia versus Tam match or 20 more Utami Siri matches. <laughs> um, but 
you know, those are always matches they can go in their back pocket. But uh, yeah, they, they did an excellent job uh, building up the uh, building up the new the new stars pretty much in uh, DDM. I love the way that she absorbed and sort of sold for all three of the Cosmic Angels women. And then she just sort of exploded in rage and sort of decapitated all three of them with these vicious lariats. And the lariats are, they are stiff. I, I love watching them. Um, it was interesting, actually. Obviously, Mina's the one she's got the history with from Tokyo Joshi Pro. And I thought it was interesting that Mina was the one that absorbed the pin here. Not May Sakurai, not Waka, but Mina. So... They are obviously, and obviously we find out why at the end of this match, but they're building Mirai really, really, really strong. Um, the other thing that I wanted to note is May Sakurai continues to improve. She's continued to improve at that level of she looks really confident now in a tag setting when there's more women around her to sort of help her. I'm still not sure she's ready on a single stage, but... On this tour so far of the three dates that we've seen, May has seemed competent, which is something we weren't saying a couple of months ago. And it was interesting that both these rookies, May uh, May Sakurai and Waka, are in the ring with Mina because it shows how much Mina's improved since her debut in, you know, October, November 2020, because that's the level that she was at. So it's interesting to see the progression of both Waka and May. Did you think may looked any better on these three dates or am i again looking in a little bit too much detail as usually rob you hit it right on the uh the button there my friend now we we talked about a month or two ago about how she just really hasn't been improving but how about a year ago you were talking about how unagi and meaner really haven't improved that much and we've come especially you have come full circle on on unagi mm. um and I think a lot of this has to do with just the fact that they're they're working hard and just the leader of Cosmic Angels. You know, Tam is just doing a great job taking all these girls under their wing, teaching them how to do the little things better. And May just seem it just seemed like ever since Dream Queendom, she got new gear and it was like a fresh coat of paint. And every match that she's had, she's been significantly better. And it is going to be interesting to see uh, what's it going to be like once she breaks off into a singles match. And I would like to see her have maybe a 10-minute singles match with uh, – with a Saya or with a Utami or something, just to see w- what she can do. And uh, stardom is very big on giving people those opportunities. So she's improved so much in the last six weeks. And I think that, uh, again, we have to, obviously, you know, I put over Tam in this episode as much as I can, but I'm going to put her over here. A lot of that has to do with the fact that Tam has to take all these girls that are in her group because she is the leader and she has to make them better on each level. So in return, that makes her her stable look better and it makes her look better. So I think a lot of the improvement of all four of the other uh, girls in the Cosmic Angels has a lot to do with that, with Tam's teaching. Mm, definitely. Um, obviously, we get to the end of this match now and Mirai says that she's won her first two matches in stardom and challenges Suri for the red belt, which gets audible snickers from the crowd. Matt, do you think that's fair? What do you think of Mirai's challenge for series red belt yeah that's i think everybody's kind of like really like that your first her first title defense and we we kind of talked about it when we did our dream queendom preview where it's like well we thought utami was retained for several reasons and one of it was she already has three or four built-in challengers like where are they going to go with series so it's like okay it's like you're for this is going to be your first challenge and again to kind of go back on what pam's doing with her 
with her stable, this is going to be a, a challenge for Shuri because number one, it's her first title defense. You wanted to be a banger. And two, this is somebody that's in your stable. So Shuri needs to go out. Not that Mariah's not fantastic already, but Shuri obviously is, is, you know, she's going to be the one that's going to be leading this match. She needs to make this match as good as possible because one, it's going to make her fellow DDM member look good. Uh, two, it, it'll, um, you know, it's going to make the new, a, a newer talent look good. And three, in return, that makes her look good because it's going to make the unit look good and it's going to make her look good. So it's, uh, you know, similar to what I said about Tam, a lot of this is going to be on Shuri to make this match uh, like an absolute banger. And I think that this thing has to be a four, four and a quarter star banger to get Shiri's title reign off to, uh, off to the right start, considering the fact how strong her uh, 2021 was. But yeah, I don't think anybody, there's no way that Shiri's losing this match to somebody that completely knew that we don't know on her first title defense, which doesn't mean it can't be a good match. I think it'll be a really good match, but a lot of this pressure is going to put on Sherry to make this match an absolute banger. But again, it's to answer your question. It is kind of like laughable. That's like, really like this person's not in the company, not, you know, less than a month. And we're giving her a title shot. It is kind of a head scratcher, but it's going to be interesting to see. What we've got to remember is that at last year's anniversary show, Utami defended against Micah. And though Micah had obviously had significantly more of a run in stardom than Mirai, she was still a rookie. You know, she had got far less experience. So do I think that it's a good idea to put her in a red belt match? Sure, why not? The exposure is only going to be good. Suri is a capable of pulling anyone to a good match, and Mariah has shown that she's going to be a good person for Suri to bounce off. The thing that interests me is, is this all going to be the genesis of sort of the discontent in DDM, sort of Mariah going above where potentially she belongs? Because let's not forget that Himika has got a challenge already on the table. Admittedly, it was for the SWA belt when um, Konami couldn't um, go to Tokyo Dream. So I'm intrigued to see how this works with Himika as well, um, especially with what happens next with Suri vacating the SWA belt in order to focus on the red belt. I mean, are you are you a fan of her just vacating it without losing it? Or what do you think? Yeah, absolutely. You can't beat your, you don't want your champion to get beat. Uh, not unless they were to do like a you know a you know a four person match where it's like sudden death and she doesn't eat the fall, but you you don't want to beat your new champion. Um, so it's you know kind of very similar to like the first champion I've ever the first double champion I see I ever saw when growing up was the Ultimate Warrior when he beat Hogan the, for the belt at WrestleMania six. He just vacated the belt because you don't want to beat your champion. So I absolutely agree with uh, what they're doing here because if she's say she defends the two belts on. Uh, two shows, kind of like what Ring of Honor did with Jay Lethal a couple years ago when he was the TV champion and the world champ. You know, you can make the storyline where it's like, well, geez, you know, there's these three shows that um, that she defended, the three shows in the last four months where she's defended both belts on the same show. I guess you can kind of do that. But again, I, I, I just don't think you beat Siri after she just won the uh, the red belt. So yeah, I, I, I kind of like what they did here. But what I would have done is I would have made it maybe made it more of like like a tournament like not a tournament but like maybe and we'll get into it like mina beats saki like the winner of this match uh between mina and saki goes on to beat uh, to wrestle the winner of tecla versus uh lady c i'm just throwing names out here so this way those singles matches they have a little more merit instead of them kind of just throwing promos saying 
you know, I want this belt, I want this belt, which is weird because it just seems like somebody just grabs a microphone and they say what they want to do and they automatically get it. Mm. I I do get it. I, I do get it. And I obviously, Siri was holding half the belts in the bloody company at this point. So, you know, you were sort of stuck. Um, it'll be intriguing. Just going back to the Mirai thing really, really briefly before we just have a look at some of the stats in Siri's reign. Um, Utami's first couple of challenges was obviously Momo um, to start with, but then she wrestled Micah at the anniversary show and then Sayakamitani at Budokan. And people were really, really down on that match when it first got announced. Um, and then they blew about the they blew it out of the water. It was one of the best matches on the card. So those expectations, I think, need to be lifted a little bit because, you know, Stardom have proved again and again that match quality isn't going to be an issue for them. Um, in terms of the SWA belts, you know, Suri's held it for 419 days. She's held it since Sendai Cinderella when she beat B. Priestley. Nine successful title defenses. She's the second longest reigning champion behind Tony Storm. So it was a really, really good reign. The only problem that I had with the reign as a whole was it was lost in the shuffle in the build to uh, Dream Queendom, where it was defended at the same time as the right to challenge certificate, which of course, you know, <laughs> By the point we knew we were building to Siori and Utami, there's not a chance that we're uh, we're changing that for Saki Kashima. Um, so it's sort of got lost in the shuffle. So this is a good chance for it to uh, be put a little bit more into the mainstream. Um, so we'll talk about who's going to challenge for that in a little bit. But I want to move on to the semi-main from this first Corican show, which was a tag team match with the Aphrodite team of Sayakamatani and Utami Hayashishta versus Cosmic Angels team of Tam Nakano and Yanagi Sayaka, ending in a time limit draw in 20 minutes. This is, and again, I'm not a massive fan of the overuse of time limit draws, but this, this makes perfect sense, Matt. And this was actually a fantastically fun tag match. Yeah, obviously they give us the uh, a whole bunch of oh, you know some previews of what we're going to get with Unagi and Saya, and if this is just a preview of what we're going to get come the anniversary show, you know I'm super excited for it. Uh, they they basically started off with Unagi and Saya trying each other out, so we get a little preview there, and then after they get in what they need to get in, then they tag into Yutami and Tam, and I hope that's a match that gets revisited. Obviously, it was Tam that pinned Yutami uh, to get her out of the. Uh, the final block of the uh, the five star, so we you know we got a preview there, and th- I thought this was great. Yeah, exactly. I'm not a big fan of time limit draws if it's if it serves a purpose. Um, obviously, I grew up in the era where Ric Flair was doing 60 minute draws all the time, but it, it made sense. It made sense to kind of get everybody over, and that's what this did. This was uh, it was a solid match. This was an absolute banger, and they made Unagi a true threat for uh, for size belt. I mean, she got the better of her at the end of this match. So it's just like, you know, you kind of have that implanted in her head. It's like, you know, there is a possibility. I don't think it's going to happen, but they did a good job building Unagi up to uh, to make it look like that there is a possibility that come the end of the month, she will be the new white belt champion, which is exactly, which is what you want to do. You want to, you know, create that intrigue. So this way we're kind of sitting there a little bit closer, you know, to our TVs, sitting on the edge of our couches for that match, which in return, which I think the finish is going to be is Saya going over which, you know, she overcomes this uh, early threat from a few uh, few weeks before from uh, from Unagi. But, uh, yeah, this match is great. The uh, the time on the draft served perfect sense. Everybody looked great. Everybody came out of this match looking better than they did going in. 
which is ultimately what you want to do to build up your promotion. Yeah, the two things I picked out of this match was Yunagi, Yunagi, Yunagi is far more aggressive than I've seen her before, and it, it does really, really suit her. Um, and then the ex, the exchange between Tam and Utami was absolutely tremendous, hard hitting, just throwing each other around with suplexes, and the fact that they started their exchange by pointing at each other's respective waists because the last time they faced each other, they were both champions, and now neither of them is champion. So I thought that was quite funny, but the whole Unagi thing in this, not only did she have almost the visual win with the Taji Diata before um, Utami breaks it up just before the bell, but she was on top of Saya for a significant amount of time. We saw even more adaptation from Yunagi. She's coming off the top rope in across body to the outside, which we haven't seen before. Um, fantastic late kick out from Saya off the mad splash. I do think that Saya Kamatani comes out of this match as the champion. It's like a 98%, 2% split that <laughs> Saya is winning this. But it's helping to build... Yunagi, and obviously the last white belt match she had at Kawas- in Kawasaki against Tam was, you know, a closet belter, sort of surpassed all her expectations. And I know a lot of people are going to be saying, well, that's because Tam is fantastic in ring. So I'm going to be intrigued to see how uh, both Sire and Yunagi approach this match. But if Yunagi is going to approach it in this aggressive, all-out way, I'm more than happy. And I genuinely think that, you know, we could be looking at as you've said before, a four, a four and four, a four and a quarter star match. So intrigued by that. And then, of course, we have the main event with the singles match. Momo Watanabe defeating Azumi via knockout in 15 minutes and 53 seconds. It wasn't the match we expected, but it was a great match, Matt. Yeah, absolutely. I think I texted you as soon as the match was over. I thought it was great. I thought it was missing a little little something, and then I went back and rewatched it, and I think I, I think I mean you both agreed on. I think we both had four stars. I watched it over again, and I think I bumped it up a quarter, four and a quarter star. Um, and I, I love the finish. Uh, I love how how this finish where uh, Momo hits the uh, Peach Thunder and then picks up Azumi, the ninety four members of Oedo tie distract <laughs> the referee. So. So Momo can put a wrench in her kick pad as if she needs. First of all, she's already had. I mean, this is great heel stuff from Momo. She already has her beat. She already throws stiff, stiff, deadly kicks to begin with. But now she puts a wrench in it. She almost throws like an uppercut kick, you know, with the uh, with the wrench in her kick pad. And uh, the ref calls for the bell for the knockout. Uh, everything about this match was great. This was a great build up, you know, for Momo. Obviously, uh, Tora comes out. It's the first time we've seen her. In a long time, she introduces the new look Momo. We were wondering if we were going to get new gear, and uh, maybe they were just waiting for this moment, or maybe the gear was on delay. I don't know. We had a completely new uh, new gear, new look for for Momo. Um, right from the beginning, they kind of tease a little high speed stuff. You know, they're going fast. Azumi does a great job picking apart Momo's arm. Great psychology. So this way, it takes away can kind of take away one of her weapons of her Momo suplexes. And plus, Azumi has a lot of arm submissions. And then uh, Momo. You know, obviously cheats for the comeback because of the 84 members of a Weedle tie, which I don't know why after the second or third kind of little spat that they had outside with a Weedle tie, why the other members of Queen's Quest didn't come out. Maybe it's just because they had the match before and they didn't see it. I don't know. I love how Momo is setting up and using the crossface chicken wing in this little heel run. 
I think that's that's great. I think it's a it, you know gives her another wrinkle to her game, another finisher, uh, I, which is uh, it's fantastic. And I think I texted you too after the match when we were talking about the finish, about you know the uh, loaded kick pad. And I I think I even said to you, I said you know I hope Momo's not on the next show or the show after that. And obviously we'll get into it, but they played it up as she had a concussion and she wasn't cleared to wrestle, which I was glad. I was I mean not glad that I didn't that Azumi wasn't on the card because she's fantastic. But this just builds into the story. And maybe this is something where maybe now Azumi goes through and says, you know what, after she's healed from this concussion and she says, in order for me to get to Momo, maybe they do a storyline where she has to go through every single member of a Wido tie. Like I'd love to see, you know, her arena, her and obviously Starlight Kid, her and Ruwaka. Um, and she just has to, you know, even her and her and Fuke and Death have a four or five minute high speed match. That's, you know, that's that that that's doable. So I think that I think maybe the storyline that they do here, and I'm hoping, is Azumi to get back to Momo has to go through every single one of the Uidotai members to get to Momo, and it just builds up as a bigger match. But I thought this match was great. It served the purpose. You have a very uh, underdog babyface in Azumi and a very aggressive cheating heel in Momo. So I thought this, uh, you know, onward and upward for these two and these two factions as well. Mm, definitely. Big fan of both the new gear and new music for Momo. I think she looks great. Um, in terms of the injury, the Wrestling Observer Daily actually said that Azumi being announced as injured from the as it was last night's stardom show from a kit by Momo was legit. So apparently, according to uh, Dave Meltzer, this was a legitimate injury. The spanner kick actually broke Azumi's nose, apparently. Um, it was, you know, obviously it's all worked out as well as it could do because it the angle was fantastic. Everyone just assumed it was selling an angle. Um, but Meltzer reports that the doctors think it's a broken nose, but it's sort of speculation at the time. I mean, it's worked because her not coming out and them obviously having to do the handicap match the next night worked into this angle so well. You know, that extra nail in the coffin that Momo delivers to Azumi. And in this match, the difference between Azumi wanting this almost this actual wrestling match of Momo having absolutely no interest in having a proper wrestling match. She just wants to hurt Azumi. She wants to, as she said, destroy Queen's Quest. And I do think it's funny that Tora introduced her as the one who made the, that 19-year-old cry. Um, yeah, there was some horrendous, horrendous kicks in this. Um, and then, of course, we had... Momo debuting debuting the reverse B driver, sort of a bastard driver, which looked incredible. Um, it's now been called the Nobody B driver. But, you know, we got the Azumi Destroyer and the Azumi Sushi attempt, and I was like, well, that's it. That's the pinfall. And then Oida Tai dragged the referee out. Momo loads the wrench into a um into a kick pad and then punts Azumi into the head. Apparently, legitimately knocking her out and uh, potentially breaking her nose. So it adds another wrinkle to this storyline. It wasn't the four and three quarter star banger, you know, just all balls to the wall sort of thing that I think a couple of people thought we were going to get, but that's not why Momo's gone to Oeditai. That's not her wrestling heel. She isn't bothered about wrestling a match. She's not bothered about star rates. She's not bothered about how good the match looks. She wants to destroy Queen's Quest. She wants to be the one to unpick this um, faction that she almost helped build up. Um, at, at the end of the match, um, Starlight Kid takes the microphone as she wants to do at the at the moment. Um, says that Queen's Quest seem to be down their luck, and she wants them to stop wearing their in ring entrance masks as it's an insult to real mass wrestlers around the world. Now we mentioned this actually last week, didn't we? That there could be we're going somewhere with these masks. 
because during the five star, all four of the Queen's Quester members were holding the masks and not actually wearing them. Um, and then the next day, um, so Starlight Kid says the same thing. You need to stop wearing these masks. And Utami says, well, they're a relic from Momo's time in this faction. I've got no desire to hold on to anything that Momo had. So the chances are we're going to get rid of them and move on without them. So we're getting new things in Queen's Quest. I think that Azumi, in my head, Azumi said at the start of this match, do you know what? Stay backstage. I want to be the one to beat Momo. And that's why we didn't have Queen's Quest coming and helping um, Azumi when she was being beaten up by Oedotai. But I could be wrong. That's just how I how I saw it. I did. I really liked the psychology of this match. I really enjoyed it. And though, like I say, it potentially wasn't the sort of match that we all thought it was going to be, I thought it told the story it needed to tell and still was an enjoyable little sprint as well, Matt. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. We're, we'll eventually get that four and a half to five star match down the line, but this was basically the match that it, exactly you hit it right on the right on the button there, my friend. Yeah, it's the match that it needed to be to kind of build up the factions and build up the story. And I didn't, and kudos to you as always doing your homework. I didn't know that it was a legit injury. Um, I just thought that okay, this this makes sense if she is knocked out. I didn't know it was a legit injury, which just makes this you know feud even more intense for when Azumi when these two you know eventually uh, clash in a rematch. Yeah. Um, so we'll move on then to the second night at Corican Hall in front of a sold-out house of 725 people the next night on the 9th of January. And we opened with Tekla's first singles match, defeating Saki Kashima with the O'Connor roll in 7 minutes and 58 seconds. And Matt, I think we may have found someone who's louder in ring than Suri. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you might be right. You might be right. You know, we talked earlier a few minutes ago about, you know, Tekla on her own. Uh, this was a good test. Uh, to me, this didn't really blow it out of the water like I thought it could have. But it was good. There's good chain wrestling to start. I got I thought Saki got a lot in, maybe even too much for somebody that they're building up like Tekla. Tekla, there's really good arm work from Saki. I, I know, you know, when we talk on this podcast, you talk about how Saki's one of the most underrated wrestlers in all of uh, stardom. And it might just be because she's, you know, she always tags up with the evil clown. And then she's kind of buried in a in a... Uh, a, a faction with Starlight Kid and Momo, but she looked really good here, and I thought the finish came off really well. You know, Tekla doing something different, so we saw you know another way that she can beat uh, somebody. She you know she did the O'Connor roll with the Bob Backlund Bridge, as I call it. So I thought this match was really good. It didn't go too long, and it served its purpose. Yeah, and we've got a new entrance theme for Tekla as well, which sounds like some sort of grotesque love baby of Avenged Sevenfold and Amon Armath. So I love that as well. Um, Great chemistry between the two. Again, what I mentioned before about the very OTT actions of Tekla, and it certainly uses charisma, but does she run that risk of overdoing it in a selling? And though it was the case at the start of this match, I certainly thought her selling towards the end of the match was considerably better. So we'll see where that goes in terms of um, singles matches down the line. Um, But yeah, it's one of those that's a good match. It's not one you necessarily have to go out of your way to go and see. Um... We move on then to a tag team match that followed it. The Stars team of Hanan and Mayu Iwatani defeating the Cosmic Angels team of Yunagi Sayaka and Wakasukiyama with Hanan getting the pin with the Hanan special in 8 minutes and 54 seconds. Not the most exciting match, Matt, but it built up to a really fun crescendo. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, I guess they're really big on Hanan. You figured going into this match, just uh, what they have going on with Mayu, you thought maybe Mayu would get the win. 
Uh, we know Waka is, uh, you know, as you say, for a better word, a pin eater. Or the fact that they've been doing a good job keeping Yunagi strong, you figured maybe she would get the pin on Hannah. Uh, but yeah, interesting finish here. But hey, let's, you know, no problem here. She's a future star champion. Let's build her up here. And uh, a Yunagi versus Mayu Itani's 15-minute singles match really intrigues me. And I hope that's somewhere uh, they build through that somewhere down the line. Yeah, nothing really you need to go out of your way to see here. All four women worked hard. They did a good job keeping Yunagi strong. And, uh, you know, Hannah with the surprise pinfall on this match really kind of shocked me. But I was like, all right, no problem. I'm, I, I'm on board. I see where they're going. I mean, to be honest, we say that in that closing stretch, that third flash pin from Wacker had me bite. I genuinely believed that that was going to be the end. Um, of course, Wacker's still without a pinfall victory in uh, in stardom in any sort of match. So we wait with that. We wait for that with bated breath. There's also a moment right at the start, an actual show of respect between stars and cosmic angels. We got the handshake. So... Maybe that feud is being put to bed. Who knows? Especially with Cosmic Angels seemingly entrenched in war with DDM. There's also a moment where Wacker wants to go first. So Yunagi thumps her on the back by way of support and ends up bringing Wacker to her knees. I thought that was really funny. Um, but yeah, there's not a whole lot of Yunagi or Mayu in this match. But ultimately, I don't think they really needed to be. It was more a showcase. Similar to the first night where we showcased Rina. This was more of a showcase for Hannon especially, but Wacker as well. So again, nothing you need to go out of your way to see here. Match three, then six woman tag team match. Donna Del Mondo team of Himika, Mirai, and Micah defeated Cosmic Angels, uh, the tag team of Tam Nakano, Mina, Shirakawa, and Mei Sakurai, with the Mirror Mare shock once again in 12 minutes and 40 seconds. And I've called it a six woman tag team match, but let's face it, we're going to call it Lariats the Musical because Jesus Christ, so many Lariats, Matt. You know, it was crazy. Maybe it was just me. But Stan Hansen came into my living room and went, youth, and then walked out. I was like, what's Stan Hansen doing in my room? But yeah, yeah there, was, there was so many lariats, but it wasn't – they were very well placed. Again, it's not mm. something that was overdone. I thought this match was great. Um, this match might have been my favorite of all the undercard matches of all these three nights. Um, I'm sure you'll probably talk me into something else as we move forward. But I thought this was really great. Everybody looked really good here. Cosmic Angels, uh, fantastic dance to start off with, as always. And I thought the uh, when it, we got to the home stretch, like everything built, built, it built, it built. I mean, all six of these women are fantastic. But when it got towards the crescendo of the match where they're doing the waterfalls, you know, their false finishes and the big moves with the tag teams and the singles, I thought Tam and Mina versus Micah and Himika really, really stood out. There was a, a sequence, you know, in the last maybe 90, 100 seconds or so, where these four were really hitting really cool double teams, where I was kind of scratching my head saying, not scratching my head, but I was saying to myself, boy, I would love to see these two teams have a nice 12, 15-minute match. Um, obviously, Tam, she can work with a sheep. I got it right, right? You did. She well, can work with, yeah, got it, yes. <laughs> she can work with a sheep and it'll get over. But uh, yeah, I thought, I thought this match was excellent. And again, I'm really looking forward to... Uh, a tag match somewhere down the line with Mike and Himika versus Tam and Mina. Uh, I hope that's something that we get, uh, you know, somewhere soon. But I thought this match was excellent. Everything clicked. Everything made sense. And again, it's Barai has a tag uh, title match coming at the end of the month in the anniversary show. So the main thing is to make her look strong. And boy, howdy, did they? Yeah, absolutely. And once again, May Sakurai I thought looked solid on the back foot, and her forearms progressively looked a little bit more aggressive, despite how weak they look when she tried to jump micro at the start of the match. Now, 
overall, is it just me or does Himika look extremely annoyed whilst DDM are having their hands raised? She looks really put out. She looks annoyed only at one person. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Not at her tag partner, but at her new mate. And I think that was done on purpose when they when they they raise their hands. You and if you go back and watch it, you raise when they go to raise their hands, she makes sure she's right next to Mirai so she can get that glance, so they can get that shot. Mm. So you know we're seeing the obviously we they kind of built they had the cracks going into Dream Queendom between my Himipoi. And supposedly they, you know, squashed that beef when they went under their Hiroki Goto waterfall. And uh, <laughs> but now, it, but now with these new members, it seems just like it's like, who are you? Like, what are you doing here? And how come you're challenging for the main belt? Not only the main belt already, but for someone that's in our stable. So yeah, you can tell that there's going to be a big DDM split probably coming up here in the next month or two. I wonder if that's where they're going to go with it because ultimately, you think that. <sighs> Himika has been in this company for 18 months. She's never challenged for the Red Belt. Julia, who is the leader of DDM, has never challenged for the Red Belt. Obviously, we know that that's going to change very shortly. But And then Mariah comes in, wins two matches, and like, yeah, I'm going to challenge for the Red Belt. I wonder if that's where they're going with Himika, sort of that jealousy angle. Um, and we've seen how well you know she does with uh, with members of her own faction, with, uh, with Natsupoi, for example. So... Yeah, it's it's one to certainly keep your eye on. I'm I'm leaning more towards Himika being a huge part of this uh, this split. Um, match four then the semi main on this show was a four on three handicap match with the Oida Tai team of Momo Watanabe, Starlight Kid, Rina and Waka defeating the Queen's Quest team of Utami Hayashishita, Saya Kamatani, and Lady C with the Nobody B Driver in 17 minutes and eight seconds. Um, Matt, what did you think of this one? Well, first of all, we had the new gear from Lady C here. We you know, did. I, I, I thought she gelled, and obviously this is an easy story to tell. I mean, not only do we have the heat of these two factions because of what happened with Momo uh, back in December, but you have a four-on-three handicap match with obviously the advantage going to the heels. So uh, I thought, first of all, Lady C gelled in well, and we we wondered how she was going to gel in. You know, she was basically a pin eater for all of last year, and she's gelling in with you know one of the top factions, not only in Stardom but of all of you know pro wrestling. I thought she gelled in well, and I really liked Utami's fire. You can tell Utami she's pissed off. She's fed up. The leader is gone. Mm. You just injured my friend Azumi. So right from the get go, psychology makes sense. I mean, think about it. if you're you know if you're going to get into a legit fight with somebody, and the leader of this team, you know your your friend left you to go hang out with these other people, and then they beat up your other friend. So you're going to be pissed off. So right from the get go, you knew Tommy's fire. Uh, you know the way that they're building towards her match with Momo at the end of the month is fantastic. I mean, she's just pissed off. So she goes right after Momo. No bullshit, no nothing. There was a two-heat segment with Lady C. What I mean by that is there was two different sets of heat that they had in the match. And usually when it's a tag match or a multiple-person match, they kind of flip the heat. But Lady C took both parts of heat of the heat, and she did a great job firing up. She's throwing. She's using her size to her advantage. She's throwing these chops that are especially like on Starlight Kid on this tour where she's just wailing. She's just, you know, wailing at her. Uh, and again... The way that Momo works in the uh, chicken wing, uh, it was a real big part to the story. Uh, she, chicken wing, buzzsaw kick, and then the uh, basket drive around Lady C. Easy story to tell. All seven of these women worked really hard. 
And it's just to uh, further the storyline of Queen's Quest versus A Way to Tie. In terms of in-ring action, um, the big thing, the, the two big things I actually wanted to talk about, you've already hit the nail on the head. Utami's aggression towards Momo. She's gone a completely different way than Azumi went in her battle with Momo Watanabe. She just went all-out aggression. I am going to beat the living shit out of you. And she was driving these forearms into Momo. And then as Momo's collapsing, Utami literally grabs her hair, pulls her back up so that she can carry on raining these forearms down on her. I thought that was great. Um, and then Lady C, yeah, we the tie very did very well in their isolation of Lady C, but equally, Lady C sold this offense tremendously. And because of her height, you know, when she does fire up, you do believe the offense that she's throwing, which is which is great. Um, obviously, coming off the back of this, we get Utami challenging Momo to a singles match at Nagoya Supreme Fight, the 11th anniversary show, uh, which Momo accepts. Um, overall, I really enjoyed this. It, you know, it's not anything out of the ordinary to go and instantly check out um, in ring-wise, but as a story tool, you know, they come out with Azumi's mask, um, and this is where, you know, they say, do you know what? You injured my friend. I am going to, this is the last straw for me. It was just a subtle little story thing, but I love that as well. Um, and I am, I am pumped for the Utami and Momo match at Nagoya Supreme Fight. That could be an absolute belter. That could be 10 minutes of just brutality. And if that's where they go with it, holy shit, it's going to be a fantastic match. But... Obviously, just real quick, I kind of want to get your uh, your thoughts on this. Yep. Obviously, we'll talk about it more probably next week or the week after. But the full, I think pretty much the full card for the anniversary show on the 29th is announced. When I look at the card, to me, the match that jumps out the most is this match with Utami and Momo. And there's all sorts of title matches. You know, the card looks stacked. But if somebody was to tell me, well, you can only watch one match, to me, without even taking a second breath, to me, it's Utami and Momo. To me, that that seems like, and it's not even a it's not even a title match. And that's not to, to demean any of the title matches or any of the champions or challengers going into it. It just seems to me, going into the anniversary show, this is the biggest match. It's between this and the number one contendership for me. Um, they could do a lot of good in this match. They could. This could be where Momo becomes the top of a Wiedertai. You know, if she wins relatively decisively against Utami, which I think they're going to do. They're going to... Momo has to win this by hook or by crook. Otherwise, you know, the heel turns for naught, really. Um, and Utami, yeah, she's she's no longer champion, so she can afford to eat pinfalls. And what a, what a rub for Momo pinning the ex-World of Stardom champion. Um, I think it'll be brutal. I think it'll be 10 minutes, maybe 12, and just... Utter brutality. Utami throwing Momo around like she's a bin bag full of melons and then just picking her up and doing the same again. Momo dropping Utami on her head. It, it's going to be beautiful brutality and I cannot wait for it. Um, overall, it probably wasn't my favorite undercard match, but it was certainly up there. Um, but that all paled into insignificance because we get to the main event, the Goddesses of Stardom Championships match, where Fukuoka Double Crazy, Hazuki and Kogama defeated Alto Lavella Kabilawan, uh, which I can never say, uh, Siori and Julia, the champions with the Hazuki Stral in 16 minutes and 55 seconds. I mean, Alex Tremaine 
has put on Discord, who did Hazuki piss off to get such terrible new entrance music since her return when Wild Away was such a fucking banger? Now, Alex, I'm sorry, I openly disagree with you. I think Hazuki's theme is an absolute belter map. Yeah, I mean, I thought her old theme was good and this one is good as well. Again, it's preference. You can, you know, you can like what you like. There's nothing wrong with that. I see his point of view. But by no means is that, you know, out of everything that happens in this match, that's what they're pointing out. So it's like, hey, I didn't see that. Good on you. You know, you're looking at something that I'm not, which is always you know, great for conversation. <laughs> oh, it's a big thing for me. Huge thing. Um, something else I did notice is obviously that now that uh, FWC have got brand new gear, new matching gear, um, the lime green and white, which is apparently a nod to gear worn by Io Shirai. So uh, also additional props to Kogaba for wearing, for wrestling the entire match in converse. So, uh, yeah, well done to her. But this match, match of the tour so far. What a brilliant tag team match. Yeah, definitely my favorite. And just a couple things to go into it. So this is the first ALK match that they've had in a while because of Julia's injury. And I actually, you know, admittedly, I'm sure people can be yelling and throwing things at their computers here when I say this. I didn't know what ALK stood for. And I figured, oh, you know what? I can look it up. It's, you know, it's easy. It's on the internet. But I figured I would just ask you what it stood for. However, the other day, I picked up the newest issue of Pro Wrestling Illustrated. And in this magazine, they give you the top 50 tag teams of the year. Overall tag teams. And ALK is actually number five. This isn't female tag teams. This isn't Japanese tag teams. This is the overall top 50 tag teams. Wow. And, AL- and they're number five. Just behind, uh, hold on. Young Bucks are one, uh, as I rip my magazine. Lucha Brothers are two. Techers are three. Usos are four. And in the writer for ALK, it's the, it shows what it stands for. And uh, I, you, I know you just said it, and I'm going to butcher it. It's <laughs> Alto Livo Cabalwana, which roughly translates to high-level madness. And I was like, oh, now I know what it means. Fantastic. Uh, so <laughs> I, I, I just kind of just point that out. Uh, obviously, you know this is a serious match, and me and you have texted and talked about this. Because Koguma did not flirt with Rossi Ogawa on the uh, <laughs> on the championship belt entrance. There's no flick of the hair. There's no elbow, you know, on uh, on Rossi Ogawa. So it's just like, oh, and I think I text even before I watched the match. I picked up my phone <laughs> and I texted you, and I was like, I'm already taken out of this match. This could be, you know, like a whole. This could be like Holy Demon Army versus Masawa Kabashi level tag match, and I'm already taken out of it. Which I say that as a joke, but yeah, this was. Uh, I, I know we're only three months into this year, but this is the best starter match of the year for me. Um, I'm sure it'll be surpassed uh, just because of how well the talent is on starter. But I thought this was great. And kind of just a, a quick question I want to throw at you, Rob. So there's four. we have four people in this match. Uh-huh. Rank all four of them for me. For example, like I'm going to go in my preference. Sherry's one, Julia's two, Hazuki's three, and Koguma's four. How would you rank the four of them? In terms of this match or in terms of in general? Just in general, if you're starting a wrestling promotion and you're going to push them one to four, you know, and just in general, before the match starts. Jesus. Um, okay. Uh, slightly controversially, I think I'm going to go Julia, Hazuki, Siori, and Kagama. Okay, so we both have Kagama four, which I there's, there's a reason why I brought this up. Okay. I figured we would have Kagama four. For someone who under who who watches and listens to the crowd for crowd psychology, Kagama is number one in this match with a bullet. Don't get me wrong, all four of these, they get over well. Kagama is so over in this match. It's insane. 
which it just goes to show you just how well she's doing with her character, how well she's doing with her selling, how well she's doing with the psychology of matches. Hmm. I mean, go back, and I'm sure we're going to go back and watch this match because it's so good. Go back and watch this match and who gets over most with the crowd. It's Kagama. It's not even close. But, uh, yeah, this match was fantastic. Obviously, we have the new gear for FWC. Um, We kind of figured that we'd have new champions here, but we kind of weren't sure of how they were going to protect uh, Siri and Julia. And it made sense. It's just basically, you know, towards the end, Hazuki's just eating so many things. She's eating so many big moves, and she just wriggles out of the uh, the the uh, Glorious Driver into a Lamai Straw Cradle, which she's won a whole bunch of the, uh, towards the end of the year, um, she's won a whole bunch of these six-woman and eight-woman uh, tag matches with. So I was like, ah, that makes perfect sense. Everybody looks good here. You know, Hazuki fights from underneath just to get the uh, the quick flash pinfall. And, uh, yeah, I think this was an absolute banger. This was fantastic. And it was good to see ALK back in the ring again, obviously, with the potential split that we've talked about coming up and the fact that Sherry is the Red Belt champion. I hope we just get a few more matches with the two of these. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's another in the very, very long list of excellent um, ALK matches. I mean, 280 days they've held the belt. Um, and you look at their defenses. Momo AZ was a great match. The MK Sisters match was a great match. Kogama and Mayu at um, the Yokohama show in summer, that was great. And then they had a match with Aphrodite as well. And all of them, including th- this title change, have been absolutely amazing matches. And this didn't stop at all. It was absolutely... I mean, there's an exchange between Julia and Hazuki where it is just slap after slap after slap, and it is just utter brutality. And I must admit, I've missed ALK. It's it's probably the thing I've missed most about Julia's injury, the fact that I haven't been able to see this. And I do like the fact that there are many faces to Julia. There's the crazy, fun-loving lunatic that we see in ALK, and then there's the imperious pirate killer we've seen recently in singles action. Um, it's a stark contrast, but I absolutely love it. There's, there was some absolutely brutal moves here. None so brutal as Suzuki nearly killing herself with a suicide dive because she hits her ankle on the top rope. Jesus Christ, that was so close to being dangerous. Thank God that Suri caught her. Um, but there's some brutal drop kicks, some high German suplexes from Kagama, um, and just it never stops. It never stops. It's everything I wanted from this match. It didn't go too long. It was relatively concise, a shade under 17 minutes. Definitely the match. If there is one match from this tour, these first three dates of the tour that you go and watch, it is this match. I'm not going to you know, insult your intelligence by going through every single move, but it is definitely the one that you should go out of your way to watch. And it is also... Um, important because FWC become the first team since 2018 to win the Tag League and then win the titles afterwards. Uh, the last people, Momo Watanabe and Utami in 2018. So there's that as well. Um, and then obviously Hibika and Micah come out to challenge, which FWC agree to on the condition that A, they are as crazy as FWC and B, that Micah, who's also from Fukuoka, teams with them at some point so they can be Fukuoka triple crazy, which apparently Micah agrees to. Um, Overall, I gave this four and a half stars, Matt. It was relentless. It was brutal. I loved it. Yeah, I'm about four and a quarter. I liked it. You liked it a little bit more than than I did. But yeah, everything made sense. And obviously there was a really good, nice, uh, stiff exchange of kicks and strikes between Hazuki and Siri. So... Hopefully that's a title match that we get somewhere down the line. 
Yeah, absolutely. And with that, we'll go on to the final date on the tour, which is probably going to be the shortest one, to be perfectly honest. It's the uh, night three from January 10th at KFC Hall in front of 315 people. Uh, we opened tag team match, the Uida Tai team of Fukuken Death and Saki Kashima, defeating the Cosmic Angel team of Mei Sakurai and Yunagi Sayaka in eight minutes and nine seconds with the Kishikasai. Um, Matt, Anything to say about this match? No, everything kind of, nothing really crazy. It was a good opener to kind of get the crowd warmed up. Again, everybody worked hard, but this is uh, not a match I'd go out of my way to go see. No, no, completely agree. That was followed by a singles match with Hazuki defeating uh, Hina, sorry, in eight minutes and 19 seconds with the Rings of Saturn in what was previously known as the Battle of the Ladies with Black Lipstick. But, of course, we know that Hazuki has stopped wearing it. Anyway, um, more great exposure for Rina, Matt. Yeah, absolutely. And, again, I talked about it a little bit ago and about how she was kind of like the surprise MVP of this tour. I thought this match was great. Um, I thought it was, okay, now we haven't seen her in too many singles matches, and now you're going up against one of the top stars of the company who the day before just won the tag belts. And Matt, I say the uh, the black tag belts look really good with the uh, the white of Suzuki. I thought that was a really good present. How she wore it over the shoulder. I thought it was a good presentation, kind of an eye popper uh, when she came to the ring. But I thought this match was great. Um, I knew it would be good. I didn't think it was, this would be this good. Suzuki looked great as always. She gave Rena a lot, and I'm really excited to see what Rena is going to do in uh, in. 20 you know in this year uh, in 2022 because again she looked really good in the tag stuff and i thought she looked uh, really good here to be honest I've, I've said this since the very start of this podcast that rena is the most charismatic of what we call the children so the younger ones ruwaka hannah and hina rena rena has that charisma that the others seem to lack um and obviously unfortunately it's, it's going to be a little bit of a hit and miss year again because she is only 15 so she has still got school so you know i doubt they're going to be able to build too much on her but i imagine she's going to get another chance at the future belt this year and if she does i imagine she'll do extremely well with it she did well when uh, she challenged you naggy later in uh, later in 2021 so um but overall you have eight minutes in the ring with hazuki you're going to get better aren't you so it's only going to be great so, yeah, overall, a really, really good, fun little match. That was followed by a six-woman tag, uh, with the Queen's Quest team getting a modicum of revenge over Oedetai with the team of Lady C, Sai Kamatani, and Yutami Hayashishta, defeating the Queen's Quest team of Momo Watanabe, Starlight Kid, and Ruwaka in 11 minutes and 47 seconds, with Yutami getting the pinfall over Ruwaka with the German suplex. Um, Lady C gets her first win as part of Queen's Quest match. Yeah, and again, she chops the shit. Pardon me, I don't like to swear. She chops the <laughs> shit out of out of Starlight Kid to start this match. I mean, and Starlight Kid, you know, it takes two to tango. You got to be able to feed, and she was feeding those big chops. Let me tell you. Yeah, Lady C looked great here, and actually, it was her kind of closing stretch that won the match. She hit the uh, she hit the big giant Baba chop, uh, and then the choke slam, and then uh, Utami, who was legal, which I'm a big fan of. You know, got to keep the person legal. Comes in and she hits Rocket with the big German suplex. So Lady C, they did a really good job shining her up here. And again, uh, she's gelling really well to begin with with these members of Queen's Quest. So it's going to be excited, you know, exciting and interesting to see what they do um, when Azumi comes back. Because as you see in these factions, they always have they always faction these teams off into tag teams. 
Um, so I'm assuming they keep Aphrodite, Utami, and Saya together. And I think that they'll probably team Lady C and Azumi together, which will be fun to watch just because Lady C is like a foot taller. But uh, she's uh, – no, I thought this match was really good. Momo looked really wet and really good as well during her heel, uh, her heel shtick. But this match to me was all about getting a little bit more shine on Lady C, and, and I thought they did a good job of doing that. And she was real emotional afterwards after the – you know, Utami cuts the promo, you know, the long-reigning former champion, the new leader of Queen's Quest uh, cuts the promo – Basically, thank you, Lady C, for the win. You could just tell just how passionate you know she was about this and how much it meant to her. Absolutely, and then she went on to challenge Hannon for the future of Stardom Championship, which of course will be at Nagoya Supreme Fight. The full card that you mentioned before, Matt, has been announced, and we'll run through that card at the end of the podcast. Um, we moved on then to six-woman tag team action with the Donna Del Mondo team of Himika, Micah, and Suri getting the win over the Stars team of Kogama, Hannon, and Mayu Iwatani in 30 minutes and 49 seconds. Micah pinning Hannon with the Enka Atoshi. Um couple of things to point out from this match. <laughs> First of which was Micah's disgust at herself that she was baited into doing Kogama's uh, bear sort of stance, which really, really tickled me, Matt. Yeah, uh, again, <laughs> this is three nights, and I'm going to talk about it a third time. Kagama's crazy. It's literally my first note of this match. Is Kagama, she's crazy over with that bear dance. She's fantastic in the ring, but she sets everything up by doing this ridiculous bear dance. And, you know, she's just so infectious when she does it that it's easy for the crowd to connect with her. So I thought that was... That was kind of funny, and then she wound up almost like hypnotizing her to do the bear dance, for lack of a better word. I don't. Know, maybe that's something that we're going to look at to, at the 2022. They're just like, well, she's really good in the ring, but we got to get her character over. Uh, let's hit, have her hypnotize uh, her opponents, no matter how big of a badass they are, with doing this bear dance. So, hey, man, if it's working, it's working. God bless them. I'm, I'm not going to say that we decide the Stardom Gast End of Year Awards early in the year. But if this doesn't win moment of the year, then something is wrong. Um, also, just to add to that, at the Nagoya Supreme Fight press conference that they did a few days later, um, <laughs> the announcement of the title match, the tag team title match, um, it was just Himika there and Micah hadn't turned up. And Himika announced that it was because she was so disgusted with herself that she needed to go out into nature to find herself again and start and put on their Twitter page this picture of Micah in a bear costume in a tree in the middle of the night. Probably, she's probably drinking $9 vodka. Too. <laughs> it really proper tickled me. Stardom's the best. I, I don't, you know, and I always say you can like what you like, but really, if you don't, first, if you don't like Stardom, I just feel bad for you. We got oh. great wrestling, ridiculous storylines that make sense. <laughs> it's like a, it's it in wrestling. At the end of the day, wrestling's supposed to be fun, and God damn it, Stardom is so fun, oh. so much fun. To be co- to beat the bear, you've got to become the bear. I think is the storyline they're going with. Jeez, I think you got there, but I don't, oh. I don't know. I don't know what more to say. I'm just gonna read my notes off here real quick because I think, jeez, oh, <laughs> how do I do that? Obviously, we get a Siri versus uh, Mayu Itani preview, uh, which I think obviously is a match that they're gonna do. Mayu and Hannah have really good chemistry. Again, I'm looking five, you know, seven, eight months in advance at the uh, the tag league, and I, I would love to see Mayu teaming with Hannah. I mean, the com- the chemistry here is is fantastic. Uh, and again, I have. 
Kogum is just so over. It's just <laughs> this bear thing is going to be a running storyline that we're literally going to be belly laughing every time we do this podcast, and, which is great because it's like I'm a fan of Siri and Julia and obviously Mayutani and Tam. But now it's like not that I wasn't a fan of Kogum, but now every time she comes for a match, whether it's a tag match or not, I'm paying special close to attention, not only what she does in the ring, but just how just she connects with the crowd with this bear dance. God bless her. Oh, amazing. It, it, it was a good match, don't get me wrong, but it paled into insignificance from that start. I didn't watch a lot more of it because I was just, I literally got tears in my eyes watching Micah just this utter <laughs> disgust in herself. <laughs> I just thought of something. So what are they going to do when they do the Kagama versus uh, Tekla singles match? You have the bear versus the spider. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's going to happen in the five-star, isn't it? 100%. Oh, amazing. We have a special guest referee, Bear Grills, the guy that does... Oh. <laughs> uh, we then hey, move on. Take my money. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll shut off. Go ahead. <laughs> um... Oh yeah, we had the we had the main event then, uh, which was a six woman tag team match. The DDM team of Julia Tekla and Marai defeating the Cosmic Angels team of Tam Nakano, Mina Shirakawa, and um, I put Tekla again. This is this is how much I wasn't paying attention. And Wakasukiyama in eighteen minutes and twenty six seconds with the triple D, which Tekla calls the Dekagumo Death Drop, which looks very very impressive. We've had a question about this man. I'm I'm interested to uh, to have your take on this. Um, Velkage on our Discord says he wants Matt's opinion on Mirai selling in the main event of the third show of the long weekend. Watching it makes him wonder something, and he doesn't want it to be a leading question or anything. He just wants you to think about it. Um, what did you think of Mirai selling? Did you notice anything out of the ordinary? And then sort of go into what you thought about this match. Well, Mirai and Tekla really weren't selling. Like, there was a point where they were eating forearms and kicks, and they were kind of like, almost like absorbing the blow, like the absorbing man. Uh, would do in comic books, and you're showing my geekdom um, if that's what he's getting at. But I, I did, I, mean, I don't have a note written down, but I do remember Tekla Mirai really not selling much at all. And I don't know if that's to that was by proxy just to build up, uh, you know, both their title matches coming up here soon. Um, if that's kind of what he's getting at, uh, would I be off on that, uh, Rob? Give you, there's something here I'm missing or. This this is where it really bothered me about Tekla. And it was actually Tekla I was more bothered about than Mirai, but now that Valkic has mentioned it, Mirai did it as well. They seem to be that confident going into these matches that they are more bothered about their offense than they are about defense. And, you know, you've got Tekla taking moves and laughing, um, which, you know, she's crazy, that's fine. But you've got Mirai, who is completely no-selling as well. Um, yeah. I get out of it. Yeah, from a wrestler standpoint, obviously they're on a bigger stage than than I've ever been on. But it, it, you know, it takes the crowd out when you're not selling. Not less. I mean, certain people it works. Like the Undertaker back in the day, it worked. But he was, you know, six ten and he was a dead man and yada yada yada. But like, I don't know. For to me, just this doesn't work. And it's not like they're they're going up against jobbers. You're going up against the Cosmic Angels here. And you're kind of, you know, again, these are all people that have been built up pretty well over the last five six months. And you're just kind of no-selling their blows. It's kind of just like, huh. Again, that might be something that may mean more sense when Sherry absolutely lights up Mariah coming at the end of the month. And she's she's <laughs> going to be selling. And if not, she's going to be forced to sell. So I don't know. Again, maybe that it, maybe that's something that was by design. But I think they could have at least sold just maybe a little bit. Like maybe if they ate three or four forearms 
and they sold that fourth one and kind of just shook it off and then fired back that you see like a Minoru Suzuki do or a Brian Danielson do, you know, in return, that just makes more sense. But yeah, I was kind of a little bit bothered by that. I mean, to be perfectly honest, I spoke about it in the first match. In the first match of the first show of this podcast, Mirai absorbed all these forearms, but, you know, she was selling the forearms and then she exploded into her own offense. Now, if she's trying to do that, that's fine, but she didn't seem to, rather than absorb them, she just seemed to completely shake them off, which, you know, you're absolutely right. It completely takes the crowd and the viewers out of it. And I know that, you know, there is some inconsistent selling in stardom. I've I've spoken about it before. But yeah, this this was sort of a this sort of stuck out for me. Um, especially from Tackler and uh, Mirai. Um in terms of this match, it was good. Um, you know, again, nothing completely blow away, but it was still a good match. Um there was a really good opening exchange between Tackler and Mina where Tackler broke character because Mina started saying, I'm spider. I'm the love spider or something and started sort of sexy spider sexy spider and she started shaking her boobs at Tekla and Tekla burst out laughing trying to be serious that was very very funny Um, and that sort of bleeds into the press conference again where um, Tekla has got the shirt with her bulldogging uh, Mina on it whereas Mina has just drawn a spider on her boobs so you know they're, they're clearly got some sort of chemistry but aside from that and aside from trying to build Mariah as this dominant force ahead of the title match there wasn't a great deal to talk about in this match in my opinion well, Matt I'm going to hit the rewind button here I want to talk about three things that happened before the match interesting now now okay I always talk great about Sardom I'm going to talk about the one part that I think that they need to improve on is that their promos I don't think there's a lot of really good promos hmm in Stardom, and maybe it's because I grew up in the era of Ric Flair, Dusty Rhodes, Roddy Piper, yada, 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 where these people would just talk people into the seats. Now, Tam, her backstage promo, she says that she's going to cut off Julia's head, and the next line she talks about how they're delicious, and they do the thing. They do the, the Cosmic Angels thing. I thought that was fantastic. You literally just said about how you're going to crush the mass wrestlers and cut off Julia's head, and then you do your cute little little stardom, <laughs> cosmic angels. At that point, I was laughing. I thought, no way, that was great. At that point, Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns, Nakajima, Okada, and Hangman Page should have entered the scene and gave all the belts to Tam. That's what should have happened there. <laughs> um, I do want to talk. I think I texted you about this as well. Again, I want to talk about something that happened before the match is the cosmic angels dance, which always <laughs> intrigues me and always laughs. You, you, have me, you have Mina and you have Tam. <laughs> who are so charismatic and so good at this dance, and Yunagi as well. And poor Waka. Waka has just a little bit more rhythm than me. Oh, my and God. And I am, I, I am a white male from, from northeastern Pennsylvania whose body's been beat up for almost 20 years of pro wrestling. But at least, God bless her, at least in her face, she looks excited to be there. Unlike when not when uh, my Himipoi do the dance and, and Himika just you can tell she doesn't want to be there. It's just like Waka's Waka's dancing level is just as good as Himika's, but at least you can kind of tell she's got a smile on her face. Like, hey, I'm at least trying. So I just want to point that out. I thought that was funny. And another thing, I want to point out Julia's gear. 
literally, uh, and she does, she does this a lot. The day, but I mean, literally 24 hours later, she has back to back two completely different sets of gear, mm. completely different look. She kind of looked like, and even my wife pointed out, I even told her, because I, I, I always tell her, I said, when the Cosmic Angels are doing the dance, you got to come in because she gets a laugh at it. <laughs> so she pointed, she pointed out to me, I said, boy, I said, Julia looks so good. Her presentation, not only is she so good in the ring, but her presentation of her gear, she always is changing up for the occasion. She pointed out, she goes, she looks like Cruella DeVille. 101 Dalmatians and I didn't pick up on that until she said that I'm like I don't know if that's the look she's going for but she kind of has like the half fur half black half white thing so uh yeah the match was you know okay um a little bit disappointed as we alluded to but I kind of just want to touch on those three things that happened before the match I thought that they were they were interesting especially the Cosmic Angels dance (laughs) Uh, the the big things to come out of this match was obviously what happened afterwards so both Julia and Tam expressed their intent to go for the World of Stardom Championship, which, you know, brilliant, really excited for that. But that, of course, brings Mayu out. Mayu had alluded to um, a while ago at uh, Dream Queendom that she was going to have her eye on the Red Belt as well. It's a more than welcome addition to the Red Belt scene. So it's decided that they're going to have a three-way match, Mayu versus Juliet versus Tam. Um, and that match will determine two winners. Those two winners will be the two challengers at work for the World of Stardom Championship on March 26th and 27th at um, World Climax at Sumo Hall. Um Tekla and Mina then both said they want to fight for the vacant SWA title and agreed to fight for it, though that wasn't at that point official. Um, What we'll do is that can bleed into uh, the final thing we're going to briefly talk about, and that is the full card for that Nagoya Supreme fight show. So, Matt, I'll read through them, and then uh, at the end you can give me a thought on any matches that uh, seem particularly tasty to you. Uh, so, on the pre-show, we have Ruwaka versus Rina, and we also have a six-woman tag with the Oida Tai team of Starlight Kid, Saki Kashima, and Fukuka Death, taking on the Cosmic Angels of Wakasukiyama and Mei Sakurai, and also Momo Kogo, the debut of her. Uh, we open the main card with the Future of Stardom Championship, Hannah versus um, Siori. The SWA vacant belt, Tekla versus Mina Shirakawa. You mean, you mean Hannah versus Lady C? What did I say? You said Hannah versus Sherry for Hannah the Future Belt. Hannah versus Lady C, yes. <laughs> yes, Siori hasn't been randomly interjected. It's not like uh, Di- we're, Ryan we're gonna give her another. We're going to give her another belt. We took the SWA <laughs> belt, we're going to give her the Future Belt. <laughs> um. Yeah, that's what I meant. Uh, Mina versus Tekla for the SWA belt. We've then got the match that is being billed as The Grudge between Momo Watanabe and Utami Hayashishta. Uh, Goddess of Stardom Tag Team Championship match. FWC, the champions, taking on Micah versus Himika. Fully expect Micah to come out in full be- uh, bear regalia. Um, we've got the white belt match, which is Saya Kamatani versus Yunagi Sayaka. And then we have got uh, Mayu Iwatani versus Tam versus Julia in a match that will determine the challenges for the World of Stardom Championship on the 26th and 27th. And then, of course, the main event, the World of Stardom Championship match between Suri and Mirai. So we talked a lot about the Suri and Mirai match um, on night one of the New Year Stars tour. Um, I have a theory as to who the winners will be come Nagoya Supreme Fight in that triple threat. So we'll talk about that in a minute. What other matches sort of jump out to you? I know you said that you're most excited about the grudge match. 
see, you know, we talked about that, but let's, I mean, let's kind of dissect it a little bit here, Rob. We have four title matches. Well, correct me if I'm wrong. These four title matches, and I'm talking about the future of stardom, the tag match, the uh, white belt and red belt. They're all first title defenses. Do I have Do I have that right? This is all the first title defenses for those Correct. four belts. Correct. Okay. Okay. So, is, is there a chance that you think any of these belts flip? Uh, my thing is, I think that Lady C will win the future belt just because you might want to have a title change here. And I know Hannon just won the belt. But at the same time, we're kind of really putting the shine on Lady C. We kind of shined her up a little bit on this tour. We, you know, we, she helped Utami get the win. I don't think you beat her right here. But uh, obviously, we'll probably you know go into full full preview maybe next week, uh, you know, time pending. But I just really, other than that, I just don't see any other other belts switching on the on the first uh, the first defense. I mean, it wouldn't be the first show where we don't see a title change. I mean, just as an example, we had Tokyo Super Wars where we had the future uh, wonder high speed SWA and world and none of the titles changed hands. So it's not completely out of the realm of possibility. Um, I personally would be very surprised if we saw any title changes here. Obviously we're going to see a new champion in the SWA, um, which is going to be my next question to that's, you, Matt. That's right. That's um, right. Go ahead. What's, what's the question? Well, who wins tackler or Mina? Uh, I mean, at first, the way that, you know, if you watch these three shows, it's got to be Tekla. But at the same time, it's just like, well, you know, they're kind of big on Mina and kind of big on the Cosmic Angels. Not only that, but Mina did say she wants to take the belt and go all over the world with it, which is just really good for overall expansion. I mean, we see them try to do that with EO and Mayu and Kari, you know, in years past. So is it something where it's not only Mina, but we just take the entire Cosmic Angels team? I mean, it wouldn't hurt stardom because they have, you know, in Japan because they have – so much other talent, and, the, and you're all, the only champion in that group would be Mina. So, you know, you take the five of them and you put them on like an overseas tour for, you know, six weeks, eight weeks, obviously COVID pending. So, I, you know, I was all in that it was going to be Tekla, but then when Mina says she want to take the belt and defend it all over the world, I'm like, well, that's nothing but good things for Mina for the belt and for stardom as well. I'm still going to lean towards Tekla, te- yeah, Tekla but uh, I wouldn't be shocked if they put the belt on Mina here. I think if we were to have COVID at this point, I would agree with you. I think Mina would have the belt. And this this belt, the SWA belt, obviously with its own rule set, it does sort of restrict what you can do with it. The difficulty is if they are stuck, and they have already mentioned that they are going to do far more in Japan, um, that's their focus. And if Mina takes the belt, obviously with her being of Japanese descent, that does rule out who can challenge her. That rules out damn near most of the roster. Um, so. Tekla, obviously she's Austrian. That means that she can wrestle pretty much anyone on the roster, especially whilst we wait for COVID to, you know, pardon my French, but fuck off. So it's... I'm going to go Tekla. I think... I think at the moment, the way that they're leaning, you know, with this Japanese sort of nationalized expansion, I've got a feeling that they're going to have it be her, have her have 200 day run with it. She can literally take on anyone because she's Austrian. Um, And then maybe when COVID is a little less prevalent, we'll see Mina or one of the other Cosmic Angels take the belt and then see a national, uh, sorry, an international expansion. But at the moment, I can't see past Tekla for this. Um, in terms of the triple threat, I do have a theory. Um, 
which, you know, I know you all love, a little bit of fantasy booking. Um, I would actually have Mayu and Julia be the two that go on to World Climax. Um, I would have Mayu be on the 26th, night one, um, and I would have Suri beat Mayu. Um, it's, you know, a full story arc. We've talked about it before. You know, Mayu was the start of this for Suri when Mayu beat her at Sendai, not Sendai Cinderella. Um, was it Sendai Cinderella? No, it wasn't Sendai Cinderella. It was Osaka um, or Yokohama. One of the two. I think it was Yokohama Dream. So Somewhere on Earth. Somewhere on Earth. Yeah, somewhere, somewhere on Earth at some point in 2020. I, um, Rob, I got, I, I got you. I got you, buddy. Don't worry about it. Thank you, it. man. Appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> so Mayu was the star of all that for Suri. So for her then to beat Mayu um, as champion, it makes sense. What if Julia then takes the belt off her on the 27th? Ooh, ooh! See, I was going with Tam just because I, they want to rack up wins for Siri and Sala one. So I think we all know that Mayu is definitely going to be one of the challengers because they they've been talking about it for the last six or seven weeks. Yeah. And it's you know it's always a, it's always a good win to win over Mayu. I mean, like, she course. could have a good match. With, she could have a good match with a sheep. Nailed it two in a so row. So proud of you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I thought then I thought maybe Mayu would be the second date just because that's the. That's going to be the banger match, the end of the tour, the end of those two double shows where you see a Shuri Mayu four and a half to five star classic. I thought it would be Tam just because I'm like, well, do you want to do another DDM uh, versus DDM title match that quick? Because obviously we're getting the one uh, at the end of this month. But you make a good point. I thought maybe Tam would have been night one. That obviously would be. Let's face it. Shuri's going into this match as champion. And any one of these three, it's going to be a classic. But, oh, man, now that I think about it, see, I thought it would be Tam night one. She has a classic. You know, that'll be a really good match. And, and again, I think I told you, um, and I might even say in this podcast, that, you know, Tam, now she doesn't have the white belt. I think they're going to move her up the card where she's just like a constant challenger for the red belt. But she doesn't kind of quite get it, like kind of like how Momo. Like you're always going to get a draw. You're going to have a good match. She's going to look good, and she's going to make the champion look good. So I thought that's maybe they were going with it, but we definitely agree that's definitely you know ninety nine point nine percent it's going to be Mayu, uh, just because of the way that she's been talking in the promos and the building up that she's going to get the one spot. I was leaning towards Tam, but oh, that makes sense though. I mean that would be something. I just don't see Sherry as a long reigning champion. I just don't. I think just the money with her is she's always in the chase, and I think yeah maybe the breakup of DDM happens here. With maybe even Julia getting like maybe like a cheap win, like maybe like a flash pin, or maybe like Tekla comes in and does like does something to just. I mean, that's a possibility. Oh boy, I thought I had this nailed with Tam being the other one, but ah, <laughs> uh, as always, my friend, this is what's great about the podcast and just about our our texting conversations is is you know we kind of see eye to eye and a lot of different than that. This is an argument, but like you have this theory and I have my theory, and then sometimes we meld the theories together. And just makes it for great entertaining watching a stardom. So I don't know. We'll we'll see. We'll see what happens. Absolutely. And obviously, we'll go into a little bit more detail in terms of the card for Nagoya Supreme Fight and closer to the time because obviously it's still at this point. Um, the day we record it is still uh, a fortnight away. Um, but that brings to the end our reviews for the podcast. And uh, we have got a couple more questions. Well, in fact, we've got just got a couple of questions. Uh, Bobby on our Discord just asks, "How have you been?" Uh, so Matt, how have you been? excellent as always my friend i you know i'm actually you know i haven't wrestled in a while just because of i think november i think i said i had five or six shows that got canceled because of covid obviously christmas season coming up uh the holidays fell 
on a weekend, and there are a lot of promoters who want to run during the holidays because they'll lose money. And you never want to lose money, but if you're a promoter that has a wife and child, you don't want to say a week before Christmas, I lost three grand on the show. That's not good. And, uh, you know, other than the fact that I wish I was wrestling more, and I'm kind of rehabbing, I have an older, uh, an old uh, shoulder injury that's kind of just nagging me, so I'm kind of just resting that and just between COVID. Other than the fact that I wish I'd be wrestling more, I'm great. I'm, I'm always great. How about you? How are you, sir? I'm absolutely fine. Uh, you know, I can't complain. Um, you know, you've put everything to perspective with that, really. I'm, I'm doing very, very well, so I can't complain. Things are going well. Yeah, everything's good. Um, thank you for asking, Bobby. How are you? Let us know. Um, yeah. And then Velkid has just asked, uh, second part of his question, was Azumi versus the, uh, sorry, was the Azumi versus Momo match designed to be an Azumi write-off if he was making, preparing a match that is supposed to end with someone being forced to take time off because of a broken face? This could be the ways to show it. So I think what he's asking there is, was Azumi injured prior to this match or was, um, and then this match sort of seen as a write-off or was Azumi injured during the match? Well, if you believe Dave Meltzer and the Wrestling Observer Daily News, he seems to think that she was injured during this match. If she was injured during this match, like I mentioned before, I think it's, you know, I hate to say perfect timing, obviously, if she's injured, but it's it's added to the story, certainly. Um, if this was written as an Azumi write-off, it was perfect. It was perfectly executed, Matt. Yeah, Meltzer usually, I mean, I know he has his detractors, but Meltzer, who's... He's right, you know, 90% of the time, uh, give or take. So, I mean, maybe he's wrong on this one, but if he reported that it was injured during the uh, during the match, then that's what it was. And, again, I know Meltzer has his detractors, but whenever somebody – and I'm a, I'm big on Dave Meltzer. I really am. And, and whenever somebody says, why do you like him, yada, 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 I remember uh, – I always quote this. Terry, Terry Funk about five or six years ago was interviewed, and they, the interviewer said, who is the greatest worker of all time? He thought about it for a second. He smiled and he laughed and he said, Dave Meltzer. And the interview goes, like, I thought you'd say, like, Flair or Harley Race or Masawa or Mood or, you know, all these other people. And he said, Dave Meltzer is the only person I know that has been able to make a good living and feed his family for over 30 years and never taken a bump. So that if you can even get a glowing endorsement like that from Terry Funk, you know, how can you not? Who doesn't love Terry Funk? You know exactly. what I mean? Exactly. So, Exactly. I just thought that was I thought that was hilarious, but yeah, um, if that is, I mean, it's it's again, it's a good way to write her off because it's uh, you know, might be I, you don't want anybody getting injured, but if she was injured or she got injured during the match, they're just let's hey, you know, it is what it is. Let's just take advantage of it to build up this Queen Quest. Not only it's the build up Queen Quest versus a way to tie, but you're going to rebuild Azumi, uh, which we're all big on, and who we both think is going to win the Cinderella tournament. Although you're saying she's going to win the Cinderella tournament since before even Stardom even started, so. Yeah, completely agree. Um, yeah, that that brings an end to the podcast, Matt, unless you've got anything else to add. No, we got to do the main event. We oh. have this book review I got to do. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Genuinely I, forgotten. I, I, yeah, yeah, you wanted to forget. I, and I know we're, we're, running a, we're running a little bit long. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm going to kind of just get into this. So just to kind of give a little background. So when me and Rob, we, we, uh, we, we recorded earlier this week the uh, – the Tam versus Arissa match for the Patreon. And before we recorded, I asked him, I said, look, I said, my book should be in the mail any day, which it came the day after. Um, I said, is it okay if I do a review of the quick review of the book on the show without you, me texting you or telling you what I think about it so I get your organic reaction? And at first, Rob was hesitant. And you could tell he was like nervous. 
which I was like, look, I even told him, I said, look, I said, if you know anything about me, I'm extremely positive. And I even pointed out, I loved every single Star Wars movie. So when that episode does drop, you will hear him say, hey, this guy liked Attack of the Clones. So just to give you an idea of kind of where we're coming from, I don't know why you were nervous for anybody to review this book. Because I'm just going to come out and say, Rob, I don't like the curse. I don't. Rob, this book is fucking fantastic. Part of my language. This is absolutely fantastic. The work that you put into this, and I don't get, again, I did not tell Rob anything at all that how I was going to review this. I don't get anything out of this. If he makes a million dollars off this book, I don't want a cent, nor do I deserve a cent. And I hope you make a zillion dollars off this book, my friend, for several reasons. Like I said, this book is absolutely fantastic. It's, uh, it's over 300 pages. It's very well illustrated by uh, Matt Charlton. Did I, did Matt I Charlton, his name right? yeah. Yep. He, uh, yeah, and he does the uh, Shining Wizards, uh, the J. Crown books that you've probably seen over on Twitter. And I've been following his book for, for years. Uh, just to give you, uh, you know, again, I don't want to go too long into this. Um, when As soon as you open it up, and I actually text a picture of this to Rob. As soon as you open it up on the front, there's a nice little tribute to Hana Kimura, which I thought was great. And it says, for Hana, a constant reminder for everyone to be better and to love another. Everybody's different. Everybody's special. Hashtag end the hate. And I thought that was beautiful. I thought that was beautiful. Um, also on the back, acknowledgments. Chris gets acknowledgment, his old uh, podcast host. And I even got a little jab in there, which you I did. thought was, I did not even expect that. Didn't think it was gonna, just because we've only been podcasting just for a few months. So first of all, thank you. But what I want to point out most in the back cover is you acknowledge your girlfriend, uh, Christy. Did I, <laughs> yeah. did, did I say, yeah, did I say your name right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, basically just says, I couldn't have done this out without your God levels of patience and understanding. Now, again, I talked about this a little bit ago. I've been an independent professional wrestler for half my life. I understand what the significant others have to do. I've been with my wife for about 12 years, married, will be celebrating 10 years uh, in June. So I understand being involved in wrestling one way or another is completely different. To give you an idea, about two months ago, I got my new wrestling gear and I tried it on and I came downstairs in the full wrestling gear. And as I was coming downstairs, the UPS man was dropping off a package. Uh, so <laughs> you can just think about what that looks like. And this is like a daily occurrence at my house just because of all the wrestling gear I have. And, you know, different things. And my wife has, you know, there's times my mother-in-law, because she only lives like two miles away, she'll come over and my wife will be doing laundry and she'll be like, what's that? Oh, that's Drew's kick pads. Oh, that's his tights. Oh, that's his arm sleeve. Oh, that's his ring, you know, his ring jacket. It's a different lifestyle. And I can just kind of imagine with all the research Rob has done on this book that he's literally sitting there on his couch and his girlfriend walks in and he sees this evil clown beating somebody up with a newspaper. <laughs> and he's just like, sorry, honey, we got to, you know, I, we can't do dinner for another half an hour. I need to watch this match. So I, 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 ch I chuckled at that. Cause trust me, I understand it. What our significant others not, you know, literally have to go through. It's completely different. And I can just imagine certain conversations where if you guys are going on a double date or like a lot of times I'll go out with my sister-in-law, my brother-in-law, you know, just like, well, no, Drew doesn't get home from wrestling until this time. Or no, we can't watch, you know, we can't come to dinner at this time. We have to go an hour later because Rob has to watch this match with this girl in a ponytail screaming, kicking the shit out of this other girl. So it's, it's <laughs> so I just kind of chuckled at that. But the research that has gone into this is absolutely fantastic. Again, I don't understand why you were nervous at all for anybody to review this. This is, if you're a Stardom fan, and I'm assuming if you're listening to this podcast, you are, 
you absolutely need to have this book. Growing up as a kid, I would always get pro. Even now, even now, as almost a forty-year-old old, old adult, I would always get pro wrestling illustrated. But I remember when I was in high school, once a year they would come out with the PWI Almanac, and me and my friends would refer it, and it had like the stats, kind of similar to what you have here, not as in depth. They would have the stats and pay-per-view stats, who held, you know, what titles changed that year, and we would refer to it as the Wrestling Bible. This is one hundred percent the Stardom Bible. You need, you need to get this book. I for, I think it was under, you know, I got the physical copy because I'm a collector. Uh, I think I wind up paying something under thirty dollars. This could have charged me. This could have been three times as much, and I still feel like I would have been ripping you off. The information that is in this is absolutely fantastic. It's absolutely fantastic, sir. And this is, you know, here's what I'm doing. I'm literally standing up. I'm giving you a standing ovation. <laughs> if this, if I'm going on Dave Meltzer's scale again, I'm not. I'm not just saying this because Rob's a friend of mine, or we do a podcast together. If I'm doing Dave Meltzer's five star scale, this is seven stars. This is the Okada Omega two out of three fall match of wrestling book wrestling books. This is I can't say enough about this. And I think what I even might do, just because I think everybody needs to have this book, I think I might gift this. To one of our Patreon members once a month. Oh wow! If they don't already have, I don't because they, they 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 need to have this book. They absolutely need to have this book now. Hopefully, I put you over enough, sir, because <laughs> I want to put I want to put out the one negative thing I did find about this book. Okay. If you you have the book in front of you, sir. Uh, I it's in my bookcase. Um, I'll okay. I'll go and get it. Just give me one second. No problem. Now, I, I want all the fans that are listening to this podcast that have this book, and I see a lot of people, people have it. Turn to page 51. You're going to laugh as soon as you open up this page. Okay, I've got it. 51? Page 51. Okay. God. As soon as he, open, as soon as he opens it up, he's going to laugh because he knows what I'm going to get to. <laughs> Lady C, signature moves, giant backer choke, giant backbreaker choke slam. Where's the Baba Chop? That's true. <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> Honest to God, buddy, this was – I don't know why you were nervous for anybody to review this, for anybody. This is an absolute slam dunk home run. Uh, my, I have, my one question to you is, are you going to be doing this again for this year coming up? Um, I, I, I hope you do. I really hope you do. I know this was an absolute labor of love. And you can see – you know, I talk about passion all the time. You can see Rob's passion in every one, a single, every single one of these pages. So I would love again. I obviously this is this you put a lot of time, effort, and energy into this. So I was just you know curious if this is something that you're going to be doing for you know for this year and in, in, in uh, upcoming years coming up. Um, quite honestly, probably not. Um, I think with it being the tenth anniversary, it was a it was a special year to start it. Um, I, I took huge inspiration from the Voice of Wrestling, um, New Japan eBooks. Um, but obviously, you know that's done by a whole host of people, whereas I did everything by myself um i had some fantastic support from um in the historical part of it from members of our discord armani shoe exchange velkage um it's if i did it again i would have to get support um to do certain bits of it because i asked it it did it did start to take over my life somewhat towards the end so probably not um but if i change my mind i'll let you know but yeah I, again I don't know why why you were nervous for anybody to uh, to review this because and it seems like some of the feedback that uh, that I've seen 
has been nothing but positive, but I can't, I can't put this over enough. For someone who reads a lot of wrestling books, and this is more like a stat book. Uh, it's very similar to Chris Charlton's uh, Tokyo Dome book, that which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. But this is it just has so much great information. It has even like he has the star ratings in here. He had, then at, towards the end he has like what how many matches got five stars, how many matches got four and a quarter. He has match times. Literally every single match that happened in Stardom this year, which is probably their best year, it's all in here. It's all in here. There's great illustrations in here. I, I can't put this book over enough. And again, I think what I'm probably going to do is probably once a month, maybe starting in March, is anybody that doesn't have this book that is subscribed to our Patreon, I think I might pick somebody and I might at my own cost uh, ship this out to you because that's how much I like this book. And that's how much every Stardom fan needs to have this book. And I hope, Rob, somebody in the Stardom office somehow gets wind of this book. I hope somebody that is that ha- that gets a constant paycheck from Stardom and Bushi Road sees this because they need to see this. This is this is fantastic. This is like a five star, uh, you know, worker, six star worker that is finally getting a shot, you know, in front of big cameras and in big um, big venues because this book needs needs to be seen by uh, more imp- more important people than me, sir. That's how much I absolutely like this book. And again, I'm not saying this because we're friends or we have a podcast together or you know, Rob told me, hey, 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 buddy, put this book over. None of that happened at all. I'm being a hundred percent genuine. That this book is so much passion, so much love, so much positivity into it. And I speak for everybody that has this book, that is getting this book, or that will get this book when I say thank you for writing it. Thank you for taking the time to uh, to write it because this is it's it's fantastic. Well, um thank you. I mean I'm lost for words a little bit. Thank you, thank you so much for um for putting it over. Thank you. And uh, I'll give you your bribe money later, obviously. <laughs> Well, no, seriously, Matt, thank you so much. I, I, I really appreciate it. I thoroughly enjoyed writing it. And, uh, you know, I really enjoyed sort of the, the history and the stats of pro wrestling as a as an entire entity. So doing that was something I absolutely loved doing. Whether whether I do another one, I, I don't know. Uh, probably not, um, just because of, you know, the sheer volume of time it took. Um, but no, thank you so much, Matt. And, uh, yeah. You've, uh, you're you're fully uh, fully deserving of a shout out in the acknowledgements, so uh, don't you worry about that. Um, well, if you don't write if you don't write another book for the, for the fans that want to not write another book, I guess we just got to say just keep listening to the podcast. That would be the audio version, absolutely, of the, of the book. When I get that right, All absolutely, right. absolutely. This is the audio version of any book I ever do on Startup. So yes, absolutely, go and check it out. Um, in terms of the podcast, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. Uh, we're everywhere from Spotify to Apple Podcasts to Google. Go and check us out. Go and subscribe if you haven't already. Uh, check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the Stardomcast for two extra bonus episodes a week. You can vote on polls. We've got Q&As um, every quarter. We've got match and show requests if you want us to review those. Um, you also get every podcast that we do on the free feed as well. The free feed will always stay free no matter what so please don't worry about that you can join our discord server which is obviously in our links at the top of our twitter page uh, you can find us on twitter at the stardom cast the same with facebook um check out our youtube channel as well just search for the stardom cast uh, you can talk to me on twitter at, at real rob goodwin matt where can they find you Hey, search me out on Twitter and or the Instagram. Just search for Matt Turner OF. Uh, any questions, comments? Uh, I we appreciate all the positive feedback. Uh, just you know, let me know. I'm easy to get a hold of. Uh, and in the meantime, thank you so much for listening, guys. We'll be back next week, same time, same place. We'll talk to you guys again soon. <laughs>